whoops wrong screen hey there ladies and gentlemen what's up welcome back welcome back welcome back to a special broadcast of the c report coming to you live on this monday december 13th 2021 uh it is just about 1400 hours <laughs> 2 p.m right uh central time anyways and uh we are here uh continuing the broadcast of the uh pima county 2020 election integrity hearing ladies and gentlemen so we're back um uh, i was a little bit late sorry guys i was uh, i just got uh the first part of the session uploaded to the podcast so uh, if any of you guys did not get a chance to check out the first, uh, the original live stream, uh, which, you know, we are streaming off of uh, Right Side Broad right side Broadcasting Network. I was like, did I say that right? I was like, Broadside Rightcasting Network? No, just kidding. But um, yeah, so uh, we're, we're sharing off their stream, their feed, and uh, we are uh, sharing this with you guys and the rest of the world or anyone who's willing to hear and or listen anyone who has the ears to hear anyone who has the uh the mind to discern i guess you could say but uh yes it's good to be back guys just got the episode uploaded to the podcast so uh i would recommend go check it out guys um if you uh if you would like to know what was going on it was a, a pretty good first portion of the hearing um, and then real quick, before I get into the deets, uh, welcome back. Hey, Relanon, Aurelius Locke, Tombstone, Monkey Toe 71 we're back. And we are live on all stations. Now, guys, uh, Tombstone was asking what's happening today. Uh, we have had the an, uh, um, an, an election integrity hearing in Pima County. So it's kind of like where they start to get the ball rolling. They start to open up that door. You know, so that this way uh, we can, uh, I mean, is their end goal to have a forensic audit of uh, Pima County? I believe so. Um, Representative Mark Fincham, actually, uh, who's been at the head of this in Arizona from the jump. Like Mark Fincham, ladies and gentlemen, he was actually present in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, but he was not there to participate in the protest or to participate in the rally, okay? He was not there for those reasons. And I say that specifically because they went after him for that. They tried to strip him of his, uh, his ability to chair committees. They tried to remove him from the Arizona state legislative body. Uh, but the reason why Mark Fincham was there and the reason why he's like one of my go-tos, like I really, really respect that man. He was there to deliver the alternate slate of electors to the uh, the floor uh, to ensure that uh, Biden's supposed electors were not uh, granted the ability to uh, cast those votes. So that's the extent that Mark Fincham has been involved, to my knowledge. Now, for him to show up on January 6th with an alternate slate of electors, you know that means this man's been involved probably much earlier than that, you know. And uh, so Fincham, um, he's uh, he's been here. He's been heading this up. Uh, he chaired the uh, hearing in November 
the original hearing guys, the one that st- set this whole thing in motion. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. Uh, we're seeing here in Pima that uh, they want to move forward with the forensic audit, right? Uh, Mark Fincham has an effort going on right now. Uh, he needs signatures, guys. He needs uh, signatures. He needs endorsements from the American people. Just like uh, Senator Rogers was doing the decertify all 50 states. We need a million signatures. I'm pretty sure she surpassed that. Fincham is working on getting, has been working on one for Pima County. Okay. Uh, so I, if you go to Mark Fincham's website, and I apologize, I don't know it by heart. I mean, we could probably pull it up, but uh, Fincham's website, let's just go ahead and do it anyways. Uh, so you guys can get an idea. Uh, you can sign that, uh, you can sign that petition there. And uh by all means, ladies and gentlemen, support the man. He's running for Secretary of State in Arizona. Do you know how big that is? That's huge, ladies and gentlemen. Huge. Uh, his website is votefincham.com. Votefincham.com. And that is V-O-T-E-F-I-N-C-H-E-M. So uh, there you can sign the petition to get uh, Mark on the ballot. Okay, so that is uh, for Secretary of State. That's for Arizona residents only. And you can also sign a petition to audit Pima County. And that is the nationwide um, uh, petition there. So, ladies and gentlemen. um, Well, uh, there you have it. So that is Mark Fincham. And uh, really cool to see that man in person. I wish I could have spoken with him, but... They were, uh, they were busy, 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 busy people when you're trying to, uh, you know, defend the nation and save America. You don't got a whole lot of time to dawdle. And uh, certainly, as you guys can see by the things that are happening in Arizona, they are not dawdling, guys. They are not resting on their laurels. They are not stopping. Uh, they're going on. They're continuing. They're going for the gold, ladies and gentlemen. And... Uh, Gotta really love and respect Arizona for that. But I will say this, and uh, at the end of the hearing, uh, the morning session for today, Senator Borelli said it, ladies and gentlemen, he said it. He said, uh, he and also was uh, Senator Townsend, right, was saying that they would dedicate all of their efforts to ensuring that elections are secure from this point forward. But there's one condition, and that condition, ladies and gentlemen, is that we, the owners of our freedom and the owners, right, we are, we are the governed. We are the governed who govern, right? We govern, right? We govern ourselves, right? It's all about the American people coming out again taking pride in their nation and their electoral process. You know, just just being involved, you know, and uh, I th- we can go off into so many diatribes about why we are no longer involved like we were in the, what, 1800s, 1700s? <laughs> I mean, the system's designed that way. The system's designed for us to not want to uh, be, we're tired. We want to relax. We want to have fun. We want to... Uh, We want to enjoy our time. Uh, But in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
elections are becoming sexy. You know, everyone wants to get involved. Everyone wants to be a part of it. And so, uh, you know, if if you and and I would say this towards myself too, have the time, have the means, have the knowledge, have the understanding, have the patience. You know, um, absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, do what you can to get involved in any way. And they were really hammering down on the local like the city, the town, as opposed to the state, you know, do something there. Um, become that beacon of knowledge and information and light and truth for everybody that's just watching the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media. And then they're going to be like, what's this person talking about over here? And if they have the ears and the mind for it, maybe the heart and the soul for it, uh, you never know, guys. They might go and actually do some investigating. They might do their own just diligence and uh, read a news article past a headline that's not a mainstream, mainstream, fake news, legacy media rag. Anyways, guys, we don't want to get too far off into that. Um, let me see here. We're going to do a quick recap. Uh, that was a statement. From Trump. I'm just going to get, uh, yeah, I'm just going to get this on the screen now. So this way I don't lose it or we don't, uh, you know. We don't accidentally miss the uh, beginning of the, the afternoon session. Uh, but so we have here right now in uh, Arizona, this hearing for uh, Pima County election integrity. Again, this is an investigative informational hearing. Okay. It's not like this is something that they can go draw up papers and uh, start issuing indictments. They're just getting this information out, uh, which is why it's very important that if, you know, we, uh, help them by getting the information out also. And they were also saying that, in fact, this dude here from uh, Right Side Broadcasting Network uh, was talking about that on the lunch break. Uh, but yeah, they broke for lunch. They should be back in a few minutes. Uh, just so you guys know who is on the panel, as we move into the afternoon session, we have uh, Representative Fincham, uh, Senator Borelli, uh, Representative Biasucci, uh, Senator Rogers, uh, Senator Kelly Townsend. And then we have some people I've never seen before. I mean, I'm not familiar with all of the denizens of Arizona politics, but we have uh, Representative Neil Carter. Uh, we have a Representative Teresa Martinez. Now, Teresa Martinez is actually replacing another state representative named Brett Roberts, who I looked up, and as it turns out, he resigned from the... Uh, state legislative body because I guess he's moving out of state. But apparently uh, it seems when I was digging for that, that Arizona has had a surprising exodus of uh, elected officials that are leaving, that are not going to go up for re-election. Go figure. Could it have something to do with the, uh, the stalwart uh, will of the Arizona people who have decided to go ahead and put their officials to the test and say, no, we want election integrity. This was fraud. We want an audit. We want hearings. We want indictments. It's the people, guys. And that's why Senator Borelli and Senator Townsend said that they're all for it, but the people have to step up. We have to step up. We have to step up, guys. Um, and I'm, that's not to say that we don't, but uh, I mean, could you imagine? And we were even talking about this in the chat uh, during the... Uh, the morning session, if all of us just like how many people are turning out and uh, was it you monkey toe 71 that was saying um, 
that uh, they're all they're all uh, that might have been joyful. Lily was saying that uh, the mainstream media is just up in a tizzy because of how many people are starting to get involved in elections, whether they're local or state. A lot of good ideas, guys. And, you know, when we talk about the way things are run in America or the way we've been doing things, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, ideas about what way we could go. We have some people that feel like we should just destroy the whole thing and start again, you know, which I don't think they literally mean destroy the whole thing. I think maybe they just mean replace everybody, right? And and start again, oh, maybe, hopefully, I don't know. Uh, but um, a lot of ideas on elections coming out too. And the number one theme I think I'm hearing here the most is paper ballots, paper ballots, paper ballots, paper ballots, okay? Um and, and, and the right of the people to audit. Our right to vote equals our right to audit. We don't give that up. Mark Fincham said that. Skeeter Burke uh, had a quote from Fincham earlier. And, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, that's a profound quote, but it's very true. And actually on the lunch break, he said the same quote that Skeeter Burke had said he'd said. So that was kind of cool. I was like, oh, hey. I was like, this must be a tagline here for um representative fincham anyways that dude's cool he's the only man i know that wears a cowboy hat and a bolo tie and is an elected official <laughs> anyways guys looks like they're starting to come back onto the stage uh just as um to finish off that recap uh we had um two uh, witnesses who presented we had uh captain seth ketchell keschel pardon me of Texas, woohoo! Uh, and he was giving his statistical historical data that supports, um, at least percentage-wise, or you know, statistically speaking, uh, all of this uh, fraud that has occurred. You know, based on historical data, all of these anomalies just don't add up. We don't believe in coincidences, not too much. Uh, but so uh, Seth Keschel, he did a presentation on the uh, nation's uh, historical data as well as the state of Arizona's historical data. He went into a lot of facts, numbers, and figures, ladies and gentlemen, uh, but very useful information for painting that picture that um, uh, something was not toward here. Something was not right. Something smelled rotten in the state of Arizona, and it was not just Maricopa County, ladies and gentlemen. It was so much more than that. Look at that. Look at all of that space for the press and for concerned people of Arizona. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God, it would have been so cool to have been there. But, um, but you know, at least, you know, people showed up, right? And I'm sure you're going to have the uh, local Arizona news and uh, the, the uh, journals and newspapers. I'm pretty sure you're going to have them saying... This uh, this this uh, right wing conspiracy theorist hearing that came from the uh, imagination of Donald Trump was uh, ill attended, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is evidence that this is a sham hearing. You just know AZ Central or someone like that, the uh, Arizona Republic. You know someone like that is going to say something like that, you know, right, uh, about this entire hearing. But we'll see. We'll see what they say. We'll see what they say. Anyways, after uh, Seth Keschel uh, gave his presentation, we had a presentation by Doug Logan of the Cyber Ninjas. He was there in good spirits. 
he was laughing a lot, actually. I was like, who's laughing? I was like, whose laugh is that? Because uh, every time he was laughing, they were looking at the panel and not at him. It was him who was laughing. I was like, oh, oh like, yeah, he's he's got a, he's got one of those unique laughs also. But anyways, yeah, so uh, Doug Logan was there and they were talking a lot about voter rolls. They were talking a lot about procedures for um, maintaining secure elections. They were talking about the technical aspects. Of course, that was one of the main roles that he played during the uh, forensic audit there in Maricopa County. And uh, just a lot of ideas. are, And that's what I really liked that, about this is that they're all throwing out ideas. It's like they're brainstorming it at the same time that they're trying to fix it. Um, and at the same time that they're trying to expose it, like their plate is full, ladies and gentlemen, and they are still going back for these third and fourth servings. Like they're, they're on Topima County now. Who's next, right? Who's next? But uh, according to what they were saying, if you take Maricopa County, Arizona and Pima County, Arizona, and you combine those two, you have about 70% of the total vote in the state of Arizona. The rest is all rules or, you know, pretty much. I mean, there's Tucson and stuff, like, but the pretty much the rest is all rural, rural area. Uh, according to, I believe Fincham was saying that uh, during the lunch break. So that's a huge number, guys. You know, uh, Maricopa County is the fourth largest county in the nation, right? And then I think Maricopa takes like 60% of the total vote for the state of Arizona, throw in Pima County, and well, there you have it. You know, there you have it. So um, that is where it looks like we will start to pick up today, this afternoon. Again, guys, if you missed the first half of the uh, session and you're busy later on this afternoon, why don't you uh, head on over to anchor.fm slash the C report. And we have uploaded that podcast um, already. So it's already there, ready to go. I was like, I got to get this out while it's live. Hopefully someone out there in the interwebs will be like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm just hoping to plant that seed. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully people who didn't know about this will get some exposure to it at least on the podcast side. And, you know, I, I push the podcast because like I am the kind of person that most definitely, definitely uh, would rather listen than watch. <laughs> so uh, take me on a jog, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> to, uh, I would say take me in the shower, but that does not sound good. So, you know, turn, turn it on while you're taking a shower or taking a bath, you know, I'm that kind of person, you know, while you're doing your yard work, while you're, while you're doing your, uh, your crafts and your, <laughs> your chores and busy work, put on the C report, check it out. Let people know about it. Anchor.fm slash the C report. Audience is growing over there, but they will have at least the morning session now. Uh, so I'm glad we got that done. Like we have that uploaded. It's secured. It has been, uh, it has been uh, fired into the uh, collective conscience of humanity. Now, Let's just hope that 100th monkey syndrome kicks in. I kind of feel like it is, guys. It might have taken a year for 100 monkeys to figure out how the elections were fraudulent, but it's getting there. It's getting there, guys. And uh, I'm afraid we probably don't have time to explain the 100th monkey syndrome, but I'm pretty sure you guys know what I'm talking about. All right, let's jump into chats real quick before they get to yapping. Railanon, Aurelius Lock, Tombstone, Monkey Toe 71... Welcome back, welcome back, and uh, Relanon, thank you for donating 117 gold pills this afternoon. Skeeterberg is back in the house as well. 
Uh, Skeeterberg says, now that everyone knows Doug Logan is at this hearing, he'll probably need more popos. Yeah, yeah. Either that or hopefully hopefully he's done and they sent they they escorted him home, right? <laughs> Wherever that may be. Wherever that may be. Uh did everyone enjoy their tacos? Yeah, it's Thai. Oh, was I heard uh Yavapai Michael say he's having Yavapai tacos? All right, guys. It's not Tuesday, y'all. Why y'all having tacos? <laughs> no, tacos are good any day of the week, y'all. And I'm sure everyone would agree with that. MonkeyToast71 says, it's sad we shouldn't have to sign petitions to decertify fraudulent elections. Our voice should be enough. It, it should. It should. And I think once everyone begins to really grasp, and when I say everyone begins to grasp, I don't mean this audience. I mean everyone out there. I mean general America. You know, when they begin to grasp, you know, how things run and the way things are and exactly how much they've been lied to, right? Uh, they're going to get rid of all of that. Like, it's going to be, I think that'll be maybe like an aha moment. Like, wait, um, say, say, say I'm like a normal everyday American, right? I listen to the mainstream media. I don't do any digging. I don't go any deeper than I have to. And then, uh, I, I also believe that Joe Biden won the election fair and square. Say I'm that person, right? Say I'm that person. And then I realize how much has been going on here. And I might stop and say to myself, you know, I believe that there was no fraud in the 2020 election, but why would we not have the right to vote? I mean, to audit, you know, that's the question. And uh, that little that little modicum of information, that little fact that is really quite large, it's a large fact, you know, might begin to sink in. And they might say, even, even if they do not believe election fraud happened, they might say we should still have the right to audit. And hopefully that would open up the doorway to where they realize people who oppose audits, because even, even if nothing happened uh, that was a cross during 2020 election. Nobody should be opposing an audit that is an elected official. If you have been elected to office, you should not be opposing any types of audit. That's common sense. That's like, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like, how did you get there by an election? Why do you oppose the audits? Because they're fraudulent? Oh, were you also elected fraudulently? Anyway, so that's just some food for thought, but uh, good, good, good insights, everybody. Good insights. Good morning, Kiwi Crochet Girl. How are you doing today? How is the weather down under, my friend? Good to see you in the audience. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are doing well. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, definitely a wake-up call, Monkey Toe 71 This is definitely a wake-up call. Um, yeah, monkey toes. I love how MSM is freaking out about us flooding the precinct committees. Yep. Yes, ma'am. They're like, all of these MAGA people are suddenly coming out and then they're going to say they're going to try and they're probably going to, they're probably going to flip 2020 on, uh, on, uh, conservative and America first, uh, poll watchers. They're probably going to say, did you see those MAGA people were, 
uh, kicking Democrats out, and they were uh, putting pizza boxes up to block the windows during the recounts, right? They're probably going to, you know, they would do something lame like that. Like, these people are just ridiculous. Tombstone says we need to be informed and expose the ones that want to dictate rather than represent. 100% Tombstone. I agree with you 100%. I'm sure we all do. Um, there's a certain type of uh, personality, spirit, person, you know, um, that should uh, represent, you know. And we even, we even kind of uh, chatted a bit about that during the morning session. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it Mike Mars, right? Was, was talking about that also, you know, like they're, they're like, uh, they're narcissistic, they're egomaniacs, they are sociopaths. And in some cases, psychopaths is what, what, what Mike Mars had said. And my thought is it's probably designed that way. Right. Like, uh, but, but also it is also true that uh, positions of power tend to attract personalities like that. But like, uh, to be a representative, um, aside from it being an honor, I think uh, one would need a service mentality, you know, um, someone who is service minded and also has integrity. You know, uh, I mean, I'm sure those are just two pieces to the recipe of what would make a good representative other than maybe also having a backbone <laughs> that could help, too. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Paper ballots. That's why Mark Fincham met with Authentics in Dallas. Ooh, Skeeter Burke, are you throwing out some ballot integrity project information? All right. You know, did you guys know that the uh, brand new counterfeit proof ballots that Mark Fincham was heading up? Did you guys know that they have already been adopted by the state of Arizona? So I don't know when that becomes effective, but they will have the holographic imprinted counterfeit proof ballots in Arizona. Uh, that was, again, another aspect of the work that Mark Fincham was doing. He's got a lot of plates, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a lot of plates and they're full. But he is, he's not biting off more than he can chew, it seems, because he is, he's, getting the, he's getting the job done, ladies and gentlemen. So, again, hats off to Mark Fincham. Look, I got to do this. For Mark Fincham. Hats off to Mark Fincham. Now, where's my bolo tie? I just <laughs> Anyways, so, um, yeah, so they've been adopted in Arizona. Now they're working on getting them nationwide. So that's exciting, guys. That is very exciting. Very exciting indeed. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Skeeterberg says, cowboy hat and bolo tie gets my vote. <laughs> Sean Joe, good afternoon, sir. Thank you for gifting the cookie. Sean Joe says 77%. And I would imagine that is the Pima County and Maricopa County vote percent, right, Sean? Yeah, thank you so much for the clarifications. Yeah, it's high, guys. Like, that is a high number, you know, for, uh, that is a high number for a vote total for the entire state. Two counties, two counties, 77% of the vote. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that is immense. So now you see why this battleground is uh, is playing out the way it is. And uh, these these representatives and these senators, they are not stopping. And I am not going to take anything away 
from them. But what I will say again, ladies and gentlemen, is we need to thank and acknowledge the people of Arizona. Because if the people of Arizona were not adamant or did not have uh, the wherewithal to demand from their representatives and their senators that they move forward with an election audit, it may never have happened, guys. We can have uh, we can have a strong and we can have a, a nigh invulnerable representative or senator. But when you get down to it, ladies and gentlemen, if they do not have the support of the people, they may as well be out um, out on a lurch. You know, they may as well not even try. I mean, no, it's a good thing. No, they should try. Hello. Did I not say uh, guts? Did I not say uh, did I not say that they need to have a backbone? Yeah, they do. They should try. But it would probably get shut down, realistically speaking. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we got going on here. Also, again, the funny thing is, is it's not just Trumplicans, it's Dems too. Uh-huh. There's quite a few young people doing this too. Yep, yep, yep. I'm telling you, elections are getting sexy, guys. <laughs> um, and, uh, Sean Joe says, Mr. C, are you out to lasso some lone steer? <laughs> Let me get my rope, Sean. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. This is great. So, all right. So, thanks again for being here on this uh, Monday afternoon. Um. I was like, man, we're having this hearing today, but let me tell you what, it's a full day event and I'm still going to try and do a C report tonight too. So we'll see how it goes. A busy day for me too. If they can do it, I can sit here and talk, right? <laughs> that should not be too hard. Um, but yeah, I, I guess their lunch is running a little bit late. How unlike Borelli and Rogers <laughs> to not be timely. Um, but no, it's okay. It's okay. It's good stuff. Um, so yeah, like, uh, at the close of the morning session, whenever I was talking, Hey, thank you for the cookie. Thank you for the cookie, Chandra. Uh, I was talking about, uh, other states that have had election fraud and how, um, the information keeps coming up. And that is again to, uh, that is again to the acknowledgement of, um, bold Americans, people who love freedom, people who love this country. You know, um, it doesn't take much, but it does take a lot to stand up and say something, right? doesn't take much to love your country, but it does take a lot for some reason to do something for your country. Are we, are we, uh, are we harking back to uh, JFK there? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Um, so again, guys, uh, Florida. You know, we have instances there that are coming out. You know, New Jersey. Um, I don't know about New Jersey trying to hammer that home, guys. As it seems like as part of their standard operating procedures for elections, they regularly have voting machines shut down and then they store them for two weeks in a warehouse and while that's going on, they've already called the election. They've already, you know, they've already done their projection and everything. And then two weeks later, they get the data, the data. A judge has to um, authorize them to remove the data from the uh, voting machines. Okay. 
does that not sound like aside from unnecessary like uh what's going on here like why is this why is this a thing you know what i mean like why are voting machines regularly getting shut down and you know this whole this whole fraud that the democrats the progressives the left have perpetrated on the american people only became obvious when they had to get so ridiculously cartoonish that uh they had to overdo it they had they 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 bit off more than they could chew you know and that was the case in new jersey in new jersey you had such a strong showing right i mean for crying out loud who was it there the head of their senate gone beaten by a truck driver right so they had such a turnout that the standard operating procedure of voting machines shutting down okay and 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 uh, there was a county clerk that we actually played on the c report that was being interviewed said it happens all the time in every election in every county his words not mine the reason why it became obvious is because there was such a turnout in new jersey that they had to shut down 55 machines in one county now there's something going on here when you have 55 i mean maybe one or two or three and in key areas will help them to steal that vote right but 55 that's kind of like i don't know 8.1 i don't know was it 8 million people voting for biden right like it does not make sense okay <laughs> it doesn't make sense or however many people they said voted for him those numbers are so inflated i already forget but that's kind of what i'm saying it got so cartoonish, it became obvious, you know, and that's where the New Jersey fraud comes out. So that's what I'm saying. Like fraud is coming out in every state. I don't got every state listed yet, but you know, we're getting there. And uh, that's why it's important again uh, for us to uh, do what we can um, and to get out there and do something for our country. Yep. Sean Joe says, I am in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New York. Um, oh, he's in New Jersey. And New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New York are the most crooked elections in the country. Yep. Uh, Massachusetts. Um, aside from having a whack governor, I don't know too much. I should look into Massachusetts, see what pops up. Um, as far as, like, because like that New Jersey thing. I would never have caught that if they had did not shut down 55 in one county. And then it happened in every county for that election. As the clerk said, every county, every election, every time. Every time. So um, if it hadn't gotten so ridiculously cartoonish, I, 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 per I would not even have caught that myself. And I was like, wait, that's not, there's something going on here. You're saying this is a standard operating procedure to shut down machines warehousing for two weeks and then go and retrieve the data to find out who won your election. It seems like there's something broken here and you just outed yourself is what I was thinking with New Jersey. So yeah, uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, we just had what on tape, a whistleblower, um, exposed election officials, high up officials, getting rid of data, destroying voter, uh, voting tapes, election, election tapes, um, 
talking about uh, destroying uh, the tabulators and stuff. And and then you had that one guy that was like, well, uh, we can't talk about this anymore because it's a felony. Okay. That video right there, that whistleblower video right there, ladies and gentlemen, I would think is enough to decertify Pennsylvania. Okay. I would think that is enough to decertify Pennsylvania. And uh, because it's right in your face, they're destroying it on film. They're talking about it on film. Okay. Uh, Or on video, not on film. Sorry. We're in the digital age. Right. Okay. So that is uh, that to me would be enough to decertify Pennsylvania. Okay. Their loss of confidence in the election officials and the election process. Okay. Total loss of confidence, you know, and then they can decertify. I mean, I mean, then they can audit it. Then they can audit it. Uh, same thing in Wisconsin, guys. Uh, and there's like, I, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm really paying attention to Wisconsin right now because I'm, I'm hearing two different stories out of Wisconsin. One in favor of Michael Gableman and what he's doing and one opposed to it. So I'm really trying to weed through it. Now, the two weeks that I was out, guys, the two weeks that I was out sick, a lot of stuff was happening in Wisconsin. That's when we had the first Michael Gableman hearing where he actually went out and he was going after the Center for Tech and Civic Life. And he was going after Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, you know. Uh, But all of that is coming out too. And the angles that they're using on it, because you have Representative Branchin in Wisconsin who is, uh, who is, uh, her efforts to try and get a forensic audit fell apart because Speaker Voss would not sign her subpoenas. He wouldn't help her. Not only would he not help her, he also did not want to dedicate any more time or resources into her committee hearings and into uh, investigating election fraud. That's uh, Speaker Robin Voss, Rhino of Wisconsin. Okay, But then Robin Voss takes a plane ride to Alabama with President Trump. And after that, he uh, gets Michael Gableman on the case. Okay. And Gableman's going after Zuckerberg and he's going after, um, he's going after the mayors of the Wisconsin five. Now, if you can imagine that guys with everything that's already happened, plus don't forget that guys also don't forget. We have what happened in Racine with the Wisconsin election commission, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is, more concrete proof of fraud than anything else that they have cared to listen to when we look at the story that came out of Racine where the sheriff charged five Wisconsin election commission uh, officials with election fraud because they had uh, written out a memorandum that allowed uh, allowed um, uh, caretakers and uh, nursing staff and, uh, you know, staffs of nursing homes and rehabilitation centers to act as uh, vote harvesters and to uh, procure the vote from people who were dying or mentally incapable of voting. In fact, there was one story where someone who had passed within a year had voted and the, the, uh, the child was like, I don't even know how this could have happened. Like, they died. So 
it looks like we're about to get ready to start, but let me just wrap it up with this point, guys. If you think about, if you think about what we just talked about with Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, just those two alone, because Georgia, unfortunately, is being tied up in the courts right now. But if you think about Pennsylvania, could decertify today, yesterday, okay, based on that uh, whistleblower footage alone. And then Wisconsin, it's taking its time. We have to see how it's going to go. But they could possibly decertify off of the Racine incident because the Wisconsin Election Commission sent a notice to every county in Wisconsin, not just Racine. They sent one to every county. It just so happens that it's the sheriff of Racine that did an investigation and found this out. And they have the paperwork and the receipts. They have the sauce. It's quite tasty. So they could literally decertify Wisconsin right now also. They don't even need to have a hearing or investigation. And that's what I'm hoping this entire like uh, wait from A.G. Brnovich is about. I'm hoping someone high up said, all right, Brnovich, you got all the info, but we need you to strike when the time is right. And the time will be right when we can decertify three states in a row like that, like bam, 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 bam. We're going to decertify these states. And that will effectively nullify the fraud of illegitimate Joe being in the White House, which we know he's not. But that's a story for another day. Let me go ahead and uh, see what's going on here, guys, because it looks like someone's talking. And we'll get this going. All righty, y'all. We are here for the uh, Pima County Public Investigative Hearing into 2020 election fraud. Welcome back. Welcome back. Looks like they are getting going. Okay. Looks like I've been talking too much. Sorry, guys. I got on my soapbox. Let me unmute this tab and we will get going, guys. And to show you why I even All right. what I just said. Let's see what they're saying. So. Oh, dang it. I forgot. I have to fix the sound. Just a moment. Or it ain't going to sound right, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. And they're they're talking about the... Oh, this is important, guys. I'm so sorry. Let me get this... Let me get myself together. This is important. They're talking about the... uh, They're talking about the um, election, uh, Election Assistance Commission that selects who's going to audit. Yeah. Okay. Let's get this going. All right. Here we go, guys. This is important. We can look at the next uh, issued certificate for this laboratory, and we can note that by the very uh, way that the commission tried to cover up the fact that there was not a certificate of accreditation current uh, points further to their guilt. I can go into very much detail on this, but I'm going to stick to the high level for now. We're going to move on to the second lab just to show you once again that the only other lab that could have been accredited to do the job for 2020 um, did not do so. So this lab, this SLI compliance, you can see the issue date in the lower right corner, 2018, January 10th. These accreditation certificates to be in compliance, they must 
be reissued, reapplied for, have a vetting package that vets every part of the company, not just the technical, every two years. You can see that this one is dated three-year delta. So to be in compliance, this lab should have, in December of 2019, have reapplied to be accredited. 30 days prior to the expiration, which would have been January 10th of 2020, this lab should have applied, reapplied. They did not. And the very fact that this certificate was not in existence until last December. So last December, somebody started making a stink about there not being a certificate for SLI. And it showed up all of a sudden with this three-year delta, which is not in compliance. And if we move to the next one, we can see that for this laboratory, once again, it must have been that they knew because here they then redated. You can see that they issued it in February of 2021 after much attention was focused on these laboratories and the fact that they were not accredited. So that's the high level there. We can also go to the other important part of contracts on each of these certificates. There are requirements for accreditation. You don't just give somebody an accreditation because you've known them in the past. You must vet them every two years in this case. So the requirements are very, very uh, detailed and they are detailed within the HAVA Act, the Help America Vote Act of 2002. And they're also detailed within a manual that the Election Assistance Commission has and this manual details very clearly, there are not gray areas there as to all of the things that these labs must do to be accredited. One of the things is that they must be signed by the appropriate person. Anyone, once again, who's purchased or sold a home knows that I can't sell your home. I would not be able to sign that contract to sell a home if it wasn't my home to sell. So signatures on contracts are very important. In the cases of these certificates, they must be signed pursuant to the compliance regulations by the chair of the commission. So let's go backwards through these certificates again and see this one was signed by the executive director. Same with this one, same with this one. And there we go, the acting executive director. Historical uh, norms for these uh, accreditation issuances will show that this wasn't the case in the past. So there's standard operating procedures, so to speak, for how these things are supposed to be done. They were not done. If we just had one thing wrong with these certificates, that would be a problem. Our election machines were designated critical infrastructure. Contractors that work for the federal government are known even among themselves in the industries, that they have a huge and higher uh, need to be above board, to be vetted, to be documented. Every aspect of a government contractor that is working with critical infrastructure, it is extremely important that every I be dotted and every T crossed. And we have multiple problems here 
And the fact that it, you look at then 2020 elections and you can see that the labs were not accredited, we can then go back to the first slide that we had and I'll tie it all together and then take some questions. The HAVE Act is a federal law and it was in 2002 in response to the hanging chads from 2000. And the HAVE Act is the one who made all of these requirements necessary for these laboratories. They were trying to make having machines be the safest possible. States did not have to comply with this federal act, but Arizona chose to. And when Arizona chose to, Arizona codified it into law. And we can read this law, it's on the screen. Machines or devices used at any election for federal, state, or county offices may only be certified for use in this state and may only be used in this state if they comply with the Help America Vote Act of 2002 and if those machines or devices have been tested and approved by a laboratory that is accredited pursuant to the Help America Vote Act of 2002. Now, my subject matter expertise, aside from studying this issue, is contracts and language in contracts. This is imperative language in this law. This was not optional. May only be used if. Therefore, every machine used for the 2020 election was not in pursuant to this law. Um, I'll leave it there and take questions. Mr. Chairman. Representative Pitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. Or Mr. Chairman, sorry. <laughs> Madam, I got a little ahead of myself. Get a haircut, okay, I'll get a haircut. <laughs> Madam, um, so it, it occurs to me that if the, if the certification wasn't done in a timely manner, the likelihood that the lab did not inspect the equipment or the software is also probably not done in a timely manner? Do you have any documentation or source material that would indicate that it was? Uh, what I have for, to give you context on that, the lab being accredited is what gives them the right to inspect those machines to call them certified, okay? And the certificates for the machines, we did go through and we have all of those certificates that were issued by these labs. So the machine certifications exist, if that makes sense. The, the pieces of paper that show that that machine was quote unquote certified, but then you have to ask what does certified mean? Was it certified pursuant to this law? Was the lab accredited to even be doing this? Right. The concern then is not whether or not, in my mind, whether or not they did it or not in a timely manner, the concern is that some of the vetting parameters for these labs that was not done were that they must submit things that were not submitted, such as conflict of interest policy, company annual report, names of board of directors for current and previous years, audited financials, major shareholders, and they must submit all of this information and their insurance bond, by the way, which is also extremely important for liability 
and for working as a contractor. So um, I didn't answer your question directly because I don't, it, it appears that the certifications were given within a timely fashion. Okay, Mr. Chairman. Uh, yes. So Madam, I, I guess the other side of that question is, and if, if you don't have an answer to this, that's fine. It leaves an open question for us to, to further explore. If the machines were certified under a certain set of parameters, it follows then the moment you change those parameters, you have now created an environment where they need to be recertified. Do you know whether or not that is part of uh, the certification regimen? The certification regimen does include a technical aspect of the certification. Uh, we focused more on the detail of the contract having to do with it. And so whether or not down to the weeds, they were up on all of that and did all of that, I would not be able to say. All right, thank you. Mr. Fitch, in Miracle County, they use uh, Dominion machines. What one do they use here? What's the name of that company? Uh, here in uh, Pima County, I believe they use ESNS. Say again? E, S, and S is what I believe yeah. they use here. So, so um, ma'am, let me ask you a question. So you, you had mentioned conflict of interest. So let's just say a former employee of ES and S or Dominion uh, voting equipment went to work for one of these two labs. Would you consider that a conflict of interest? I would personally, yes. You know, I uh, have some friends in law enforcement and they tell me when they have to calibrate their uh, radar, speed radar, um, if it's not calibrated and they go out and cite somebody and it gets questioned, if the machines, if things not certified and calibrated, then therefore that evidence is inadmissible even in a speeding ticket. So once again, what we have here is the same type of principle. If you have no equipment that's supposed to be certified then even those results are uncertifiable. Yes, that is correct. Now, in your research uh, on uh, at ARS 1644 uh, 2B, did you see any, uh, anything in there that actually had any standards of, of enforcement? We did. Brian, I'll let you take that. So the, the best that we could find on that would be ARS ARS 16-452C, which holds it to be a uh, class two misdemeanor regarding in anything during or regarding the elections. Uh, but the point that I would like to bring up is that you basically have companies, laboratories that are doing government work without a legal contract. We don't allow that in any other, uh, whether you're building a road or whether you're doing a, um, a gaming device for uh, slot machines or stuff like that. So we are holding building roads and doing slot machines at a much higher standard than we are with our voice and our vote. So that was the only um, statute that I could find, that we could find that would be a violation. Maybe the uh, Maybe Government Federal Elections ones. Committee Chair. I have, Go ahead. I have a, a comment, yeah. if I might. Thank you, and thank you for, for looking at this and bringing this to our attention. And I'm perusing 16442, the rest of it, and it's permissive uh, to the Secretary of State. It, it's not shall, it's may. Secretary of State may decertify if she finds that it's not 
uh, accredited. It's not that she shall decertify. So here we have um, our current Secretary of State during the 2020 election had the opportunity to decertify these and chose not to. So if we're looking to change anything in this, I would think that we would want to make this prohibitive that she can have that kind of discretion to ignore the statutes that's, that she's to create criteria. If I'm reading this correctly, that she's to create criteria uh, for a situation to decertify, but it says that she may decertify, and we obviously see that she chose not to do that. And that's where politics comes in. Uh, when we allow for the discretion that we've allowed, um, I would recommend it. not only do we want to look at what kind of teeth do we put in, but you can't use teeth when it's permissive and discretionary. So we have to change a few things on this. And, and let me follow up with that. Is uh, what, Where do you recommend, if you wouldn't mind repeating your credentials, and then uh, where would you tell us to go from here at this point? With that in mind, that it doesn't seem like uh, she perhaps broke the law, that she had that discretion. What do you recommend that we do going from here? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, once again, my name is Rihanna Eldon, and I don't have any particular credentials. Just in my life work, I've worked in escrow and title, so real estate contracts, and um, have just studied this issue very in depth for close to a year now. Um, in, in studying it, I would say that given the fact that HAVA Act was put in place and then Arizona chose to abide by that, those were things that were put in place when machines are used. It seems like what we don't have right now is an election by the people. It seems like what we have is a chain of custody that's broken when the, when the ballots are inside a box that nobody can see into and that we don't know if these laboratories or, you know, we have experts. We don't have an election by the people. We have an election by, that must be talked about in this way for hours upon hours by uh, experts. The other point that I would like to make is in studying this, we had that top level due diligence that was supposed to be done at the federal level and obeyed at the state level. The only other layer that was in place was the Equipment um, Certification Advisory Committee. Now that committee, wonderful people, I've read all the minutes for those uh, meetings. Um, and they then at the state level look and say, uh, you know, are these machines good to be used if there's a new build, a new software build, because that happens, right? And each new build, each new change has to be certified again. And this committee in every single meeting, and I'm not blaming them, it's just a standard operating procedure. Who do they meet with? The machine manufacturers. And they ask them questions and they get assurances that everything's fine and that everything's certified. So I don't find that uh, another level of due diligence for this most important critical infrastructure and for our votes. And I find that the ball was dropped there intentionally or not. It doesn't seem to be that the process is set up to really protect the machines, the people, the votes, and the whole process. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Any further questions? Seeing none, thank you very much, both of you. Thank you very much, appreciate it. Thank you. Our next speaker will be Lisa. I am not going to even attempt your last name. I do not want to disrespect you by butchering this. So Lisa here.
Thank you, Lisa. And, and for the record, could you please state your name? And, and let me ask, will you, if you could also tell us your credentials and will you be willing to be sworn? Okay. Have a seat, uh, step up the microphone or? Get, Turn that mic on. Sure. Yeah, get closer to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Help if it was there on. We go. There, we there we go. There we go. Much better. Okay. My name is Lisa Budasavlovich. Do you need me to spell that? Please. It sounds like common spelling to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's B as in boy, U, D as in David, I, S as in Sam, A, V as in Victor, L, J, is in Edward, B is in Victor, I, C. Yeah, I know. Mr. Chairman. That sounds Chairman. Serbian. Or... It is Serbian, I... yes. You represent... want to buy a vowel? Represent BSUG. I thought my last name was difficult. I, you've taken the cake. I... You surrender? Well done, I surrender. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Um, I'm a licensed private investigator in the state of Arizona. License, so you've already actually taken the oath, an oath for your license? Yes. Yes, under penalty and perjury. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Please proceed, ma'am. I'm sorry, can you repeat what I um, need to tell you? <laughs> what? You asked for my name and my credentials? Yes. Okay. Um, we were asked to canvas uh, different neighborhoods. We were given some workbooks, one through 30. And my colleague and I, John Katsanis, were asked to go to different properties that were listed on the different pages in the workbooks and ask if the names of the ballots received matched the people who lived in those, uh, at those addresses. We went to 152 different addresses, uh, which were associated with 424 ballots. Of the 424 ballots, we found 68 that were suspicious that we suspect could be potentially fraud. I have a list of the different addresses that we went to where we found the, 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 some suspicious information. And I could read that off to you if you'd like. Uh, let's just leave the names off of the uh, public record, but if you could just Correct. kind of yeah. give us a summary of it. Yeah. Okay. Would you like me to give you a summary of the entire investigation or a summary of each address? The entire investigation, whatever we think would be the best telling story. Okay, well, I will start with um, each address and then we'll kind of go through them. And if you have any questions or if you feel that I'm being okay. redundant, then we can move on. That'll be fine. Um, the first problem that we found was 
on page two of book two, and I won't tell you the address, but we uh, did some research through the Pima County Assessor's Office, and we found out that this property was purchased in September of 2020 and by, by, the, by the current owners. And we spoke to the resident and she advised that the previous owners moved to Missouri in September of 2020. However, according to the, the sheets, the workbook sheet, the walkbook sheets, um, it indicates that ballots were received from both the current residents and one of the past residents. The second issue, uh, we spoke with the an owner and she said that she and her husband were the only two people that resided at the residence. Um, there were the workbook sheet identified four different people as having lived at that residence and that ballots had been received from that residence, but only two of the people actually lived there. The other two parties did not live there. The residents, the owners of the property had no idea who those other two parties were, had never heard of them. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, so do you have, a, how long did they live at that residence, the, the current owners, do you have that information? Mr. Chairman, we didn't ask that question of that, of, uh, of that, of that person, um, and we didn't do the research on that. We were very limited on time um, in order to do this investigation. There are many of these issues that warrant further investigation, and, and I would really like to look further into some of the issues, but um, I don't have an answer okay. for you. That's right, thank you. The third issue, um, the current owners purchased the property in November of 2020. Um, the current owner said that the property was vacant when he purchased the property and that the previous owners had been residing in Florida uh, for about a year prior to the purchase. However, the sheets uh, indicated that ballots were received from both the current owners and the previous owners of the property. Next, the Current resident purchased the property in April in, of 2020, and uh, that the previous owners did not live in that residence um, after the purchase, that they bought it and moved in. However, the sheet indicates that they received, again, ballots from both the previous and current owners. And you know, you. I know you only have a short time, but do you know where they moved to, the previous owners moved to? Okay. I don't know. Okay, thank you. Mr. Chairman, what did they do with the ballots um, of the people who didn't live there, Your you, the people that you spoke with? Uh, Mr. Chairman, the many of the 
residents that we spoke to had never heard of the other people that were listed as listed on the worksheet, uh, nor did they remember receiving those ballots. So they didn't recall receiving the ballots. They had no idea if they even got them. Next, the current resident stated that they purchased the property in August of 2020. Um, he did not recall receiving the ballots for, for the previous owners. However, again, the sheet indicates that ballots were received from both past and previous. Which means they voted. Right. Okay, thank you. Uh, this next property, we spoke to a neighbor who told us that the previous residents who were the individuals listed on the walkbook sheet had moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado two years ago. So two, a year prior to the 2020 presidential election. Uh, we weren't able to confirm that. Again, we talked to a neighbor that this is one that needs to be, I mean, should be looked into a little bit for, farther. So many of these issues that we found were the same thing. Houses were sold and purchased uh, June through October of 2020. And the new owners moved in prior to the presidential election and the old, the old owners moved out. Yet ballots were received from the new owners from that address. And that's the majority of what we have listed here. We, and, and there are more than we have listed. However, the purchase and the sale and purchase date were closer to the election. So, you know, we left those out because of how close it was to the election and people could have saved ballots and then mailed them off when they moved, different things like that. But we kept the ones on here that were a few months prior to the election. But it, when, for the record, ballots are not supposed to be, mail-in ballots are not supposed to be forwarded unless you request it on the record with the county recorder. And it's only a temporary thing for ballots to be forwarded. For example, they're on vacation, so on and so forth. So one more thing needs to be further investigated. So, okay, thank you. So while I'm reading these, would you like me, if I have, if it's that same scenario, would you like me to repeat that or just move on to just other, keep, just keep going? You're on a, you're on a roll. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next address, we spoke to the resident who stated that they had been at that address for two years. There was, an, and he and his spouse were both listed on the 
the sheets as well as a third party. The resident said that he had never heard of the third party, did not know who that third party was, did not remember receiving a ballot for that third party. Mr. Chairman? Yes. Yeah. Ma'am, when you found out, it occurs to me that um, there might have been an opportunity to look at the deed history on that property. Did you happen to find out whether or not um, the individuals that had never been there ever were an owner of record for that property going back in the historical record of deeds? We didn't have time to dig okay. that deeply. All right, thank you. Um, Mr. Chairman, that'd probably be an open question. The next address, we, there was no answer at this address, so we did our research while at the address, and according to the Pima County Assessor's Office, this uh, home was sold to an, an investment company in August of 2020. However, according to the the sheet, the previous owner, the, the, the recorder's office received a ballot from that owner who had sold the home in August of 2020. Next, the current owner sold the property on October of 2020 and they the new residents did not receive their ballots at that address. In fact, they asked us if we could take care of that for them and to make sure they got, they received future ballots. However, the sheet indicates that ballots were received from the couple. You saying that the, the folks that live there did not receive a ballot in the mail, but the records show that they did vote by mail? Yes. And I'll read you what was written, um, what we put in our affidavit. According to the current owner, um, they sold this parcel of real property on October 9th of 2020, and their ballots were not received at that address. However, the worksheet says that that couple's ballots were received by the recorder's office from that address. Interesting, if you could put a nice star next to that, I'd like to follow. Mr. Chair, can I ask a question? Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Lisa, can you tell me just really quick, did you check to see if they actually cast a ballot in person? I can't answer that question. I apologize. This is a house that my partner contacted. Okay. That would be something that I'd want to know. Like the, it showed that they, um, the ballots were received, but did that specifically mean that a mail-in ballot was received and tabulated or if they checked in and the poll books locked them in that day of the election or whatever? And is the system showing them voting because they went in in person because they never got the mail-in ballot? I mean, there's there's so many variables. That's the hard part about this is it's very difficult to tell and what's fraud and what's just the way that this 
system, antiquated or whatever, is hard to tell. I remember a lot of people on the day of in Maricopa County very frustrated because they voted, but there was no way to tell if their votes had been tabulated. So they on the fly updated the system to show that, and it was it was really a messy kind of way to do it. So that would be one of my questions is, if we're going to say that they didn't receive ballots, but it showed that they voted, well, did they vote? And did they vote in person? And is that what it's showing? You know, what are the designators? And those are the kinds of things we really need to dial in on before we can call it fraud. That's what I mean. So that's kind of what we would need to have um, before we can say, look at all this fraud, you know, because if it comes back that that's, there's an explanation, it kind of waters down, you know, the actual fraud. So those are the kinds of things that all that legwork you guys are doing is great. Um, it shouldn't be the citizens having to do that. We should have a system in place so it's very, very simple to tell if your ballot was cast, where was it cast, when was it, all of that. Um, and we talked earlier today on some of the ways to fix this so we wouldn't have to worry about that. But thank you for all this legwork that you're doing. Of course. Just so everybody understands, when did you first get this data to go out and knock on, basically go knock on doors? Thursday afternoon. Good. This so past so this Thursday This is a very afternoon. quick investigation of a handful just right off the I know there's a lot more, but you just, right. Correct. Had we been given more time, we would have yeah. dug further, yeah. yes. This is a good cursory investigation. Thank you. Exactly. Go ahead, ma'am, yes. please. Next, we spoke with the current resident, and he stated that his former roommate, who was listed on the sheets as having sent a, a ballot in, um, had not lived at that address for more than two and a half years. And he didn't recall whether or not he received his former roommate's ballot um, or whether he forwarded it, but he said he, he, he didn't think he would have forwarded it. The next address, we spoke with the property owner, and she stated that she and her husband were visiting Russia at the time of the election. And she stated that she and her husband wrote to someone, and these are her words, and this is what she could remember from that time. She said that she and she and her husband wrote a letter for, to someone. They received a form in the mail. They filled it out, signed it, scanned it, and then emailed it. The next, we spoke with the resident, and um, she stated that she and her husband purchased that property uh, a year and a half ago, so prior to the election. There was a third name on the list, and he was, um, she thought that he was the previous owner. Um, but the list said that, the, the sheet said that the current owners and the previous owner, um, that, that their ballots were received. We did check that one through the Pima County Assessor's Office and that third name, um, the last name was the same. 
um, but it might have been the son who, whose ballot was received. Next, uh, according to the Pima County Assessor's Office, this property is titled to one person and it's identified as his primary residence, but the assessor's office isn't already, isn't always correct in there, isn't always updated. Some properties are listed as primary residences, some properties are listed as residential other, which generally indicates a vacation home or a rental property, something like that, but it's not always correct. Um, the property was purchased in July of 2020. However, the walkbook sheet indicates that ballots were received from the previous owners. The next property is the same. Uh, Ma'am, yes. So the previous owners got ballots in the mail, right? To, to the current, to the new owners, do they say what they did with those ballots? The, so that property, there was no answer. So okay. this was research that we did that through the, okay, yes. The next property is much the same. The current owner uh, had lived at that address for, has lived at this address for two years. He believes that the, the name on the sheet uh, is a previous owner. He did not remember receiving that ballot. Uh, and he, and the sheet indicates that the new owners and the previous owner sent in ballots. So, the next residence, the walkbook sheet that corresponds to that residence indicates that ballots were received from a couple. However, in speaking to the residents, the couple whose ballots were received did not live at the home during the 2020 election. You said ballots received? So they did see ballots in their names? The no, I'm sorry, ballots received by the Pima County Recorder's Office. So the, the walkbook sheets indicate when the date that the early ballots were received by the Recorder's okay. Office. The next address, we spoke with the resident. He said that he had lived at, he's been, he has lived at that address for two years. However, his name was not on the, the walk sheet. There was another name on the walk sheet. He did not know who that person was. Uh, he had never heard of her. Same thing with the next address, the current resident. Excuse me, Mr. Yes. Chairman. 
Ma'am, was it asked of that individual, had any other male in that individual's name come to the address besides a ballot? I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. I don't know. Fair enough. Thank you. The next one, um, we spoke to the residents who stated that he has been at that address for three years. Um, there was a, another name, not his, that was on the walk sheet, and um, the current resident did not know who that person was. So the next address, I spoke with the occupants. He stated that that property is an Airbnb. He was a guest staying there um, as in the Airbnb. According to the Airbnb website, that address has been a vacation rental since at least December of 2019. Uh, according to the Pima County Assessor's Office, that property is listed to another individual who is not listed on the sheet, and she resides in Unit A of the same building. I knocked on her door, and there was no answer. So I was in, unable to get any other information. At the next address, we spoke to the resident who stated that she's been at that property for three years. The walk sheet stated that ballots were received from a separate party and the current resident did not know who this party was, nor did she remember receiving a ballot in that person's name. The next address, we spoke to the resident who stated she purchased the property in 2020, in October of 2020, and moved in on October 15th, 2020. And she did not know who the previous owner was and did not re remember receiving a ballot from any, but for anybody else. Um, and the walk sheet indicated that another party sent a ballot from that address. Can you repeat that? I couldn't hear that. I'm sorry. And she did what? She did not know who the person that was listed on the walk sheet was. Oh, and she did not. I'm sorry. It's hard to see who I'm talking <laughs> to with the, the, we have the bright lights on yeah. you. <laughs> you to make sure you tell the truth over there. Right. <laughs> uh, she, she didn't. She had never heard of the um, other person who was listed on the walk sheet, didn't remember receiving any ballots for that person. <laughs> How many more of these, ma'am? We have 36, Mr. 37 altogether. 37 more or pages? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of data. I, I think the members. Uh, I, think, I think we're getting the picture here. Yeah. That uh, 
Is it 68 total? We have, there are 68 ballots, but many of the ballots are at, you know, some addresses have more than one ballot. So there are 30, uh, eight plus 38 that, you know, are, are very suspect. And then there are four more that we'd like to investigate a little further. And we are on number 22. And is that just one precinct, one voting precinct, or is it uh, countywide? Do you know that for sure? The walk books that we received were listed one through through thirty. We completed nine. Mr. Chairman, if I may, I believe they were organized by precinct. If that's your question. What's that? I believe they were organized by precinct. Just to try and consolidate all the work into specific areas of interest. Correct. <coughs> Would you like me to continue, Mr. Chairman? I'm good. Good. I think we all got to kind of get the picture. This is a, a quick cursory investigation with only a couple of days, one precinct, 30 walk books, or one walk book with 30, whatever. Nine precincts. There were nine precincts that right. we completed, as I understand right. it, if each walk book was a different precinct. And a, and a lot of this to find, to really verify if it was voter fraud, is to literally get a hold of the vote documents, meaning in either an envelope that's with a signature that you can match, or a signature at the polling site, which means this is good evidence that I would like be turned over to the Attorney General. Mr. Chair. Mr. Chairman, to that yes. point, yes. um, there is a public records request in the Pima County Recorder's Office for the ballot envelope images. Um, we have not yet received, we've received an acknowledgement. We received an acknowledgement that that was submitted, but we have not yet received the records. And they are specifically not listed uh, in statute, only the ballots and ballot images the ballot envelopes are not covered. Senator Townsend. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just wanted to mention, I, I got someone asking a question, um, that if you vote early in person, um, oh, hold on a second, back here. What, when they say a ballot was received, could it be by mail or does it mean it was uh, an early voting or early voting station? So uh, it's a good question. Um, I know we have different scenarios in different counties. I just want to remind us all that this is an exact reason why we need to streamline this, make it easy for the public to see exactly how their ballot was received or whose ballot was received. It should not take, a, you know, a, a cryptologist to figure this out, you know. So I just think that's one of the first orders of business is regardless of what we're doing, we need to make this user friendly for the public so we can see when there's nefarious things going on. Thank you. Yeah, really quickly. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. So you know, I think this is kind of uh, you know something that everybody can agree that we have an issue, right? We have an issue with uh, early voting. We have an issue with the mail-in ballots. And it was actually a big reason why we passed SB 1485 this year in the, in the Senate. And, and what this bill did for the people, if you guys don't know, it just said if you have not voted for in the early voting list, if you've not done an, an early voting ballot, 
uh, for four consecutive elections, then we send you a letter asking you, do you still live? Well, for two elections, for two cycles, four elections, right? Primary. Yeah. Um, if you have not voted, then we will send you a letter saying, do you still live here? If you do, you sign it and you send it back. Now, this was a party line vote. What do you think about that? Only Republicans voted yes for that bill because the Dems said that it was racist, that we were asking people to sign something to make sure they lived at the residence. Now, do you all in this room think there's an issue after what she just said? Of course, right? Of course there is. And to think that for us to get that information is racist, I mean, it, it's incredible to think that we are just trying to make sure that we're not wasting money on sending these ballots out to people that do not live there anymore. And this is the only way we really can find out. And so I just want to thank you for proving the point of why we passed a bill like that. Because, you know, people move, and, and I have known people personally that have gotten four, five, six ballots, and they've lived at the house for three years, and the only one there, and all these different names are coming through. I mean, our, our system is broken. And so we need to make sure we fix it. So thank you for, for really shedding the light and, and confirming what we, what we thought. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Mr. Sherman. Yeah. Um, as I understand it, the law that you described, which was passed in the Senate, is already current law in the state of California, which makes that state racist? Or is that, I believe that's so. I believe that that's already the law in the state of California. Which Does anybody one? know if that's true, the, the, four, the four elections, two cycles? Well, well, that law was signed this year in Arizona, 1485. Just for my own clarification, the, the walk books... Uh, as we're referring to them, are Pima County elections records, and they do indicate whether you voted by mail or in person. Is that correct? Thank you. No. No, they do not. I, I, don't, I don't think she has that in her handbook. We'll get, I'll get somebody from the county up here. To... Oh, can you answer that? From my understanding, Mr. Chairman, the walk books have, so what is on the walk book is the address and the names of people whose ballots were received, uh, the, the early voting ballots were received by the recorder's office. So it doesn't indicate whether they voted in person or otherwise, just that their ballots were received, the early voting ballots were received. Mm -hmm. But it does indicate that they're early voting ballots, though. So in other words, they didn't vote in the precinct the day of the election. These are specifically early voting ballots that were received. That is my understanding. Mr. Chairman, uh, for clarification, these, these walkbooks were provided to you by whom? Where did you get your walkbooks from? Was it the county or was it like campaign sidekick or, or where, where was that? The walkbooks were provided to me actually by Mr. Cote, who received them from, from Dr. Lyle Rapaki. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Did you, did you have anything else to add, ma'am? You would like to, any comments, uh, pointers, suggestions? 
your professional recommendations? These definitely need further investigation, Mr. Chairman. I believe that I just wanted to, as an investigator, former law enforcement, I just wanted to know more, dig more. Um, Are you Chairman? shocked of what you've seen so far? I am not. <laughs> that's that's, that's a hard question. Yeah, I'm not shocked. Mr. Chairman, I, I do have a question. Yeah. So, ma Madam, thank you very much for your, your work. <clears throat> it occurs to me that we're seeing two things. One is people who received a ballot that never lived there. And one receiving ballots for people who at one time did live there, but who well in advance of the mail ballot drop in the mail had already moved on. Correct. Is there, between those two, is, am I missing, is there a third thing? I don't think I heard you say anything else. Um, it's, oh, well, and then of course, there's the person who just never lived there. Right. Okay. And then we found a couple of the Airbnb situations where. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All right. Thank you very much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And, and if you could please give us your copy of your, your findings that we can turn over. Yes. For further investigation. Okay. Next up is Shelly Tice, the GOP Pima County Chair. Good, Good afternoon, afternoon. ma'am. Please, fire away. Good afternoon, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee. Thank you so much for coming to Pima County. So we thought we'd give you a little tour to get started at Pima County this morning or this afternoon. So if you look up, what you see right here is, the, is a picture of the Pima County Assessor's Office. And that is at 240 North Stone Avenue. And ladies and gentlemen, that is where 380 people registered to vote. Next, you'll see 5601 West Trails. And this is the Corrections Department Officer Training, where 38 people registered to vote. 19 people are registered at the Fred G. Acosta Job Corps. And now what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a little tour through Cells, Arizona. So I'm going to go through several different spots here to show you different locations in Cells. May Excuse feel. Mr. Chairman, madam, could you go back a couple slides? I, I think I saw 1,300 people yeah. at one address. Yes, sir. So that's 1,133 registered voters at zero West Sells Village. Cells yes. Is, is, is that dirt lots or? That's on, that's on the reservation. Ah, okay. And that is 1,133 registered voters in that location at Sells, Arizona. At the exact same address. Yes. It could possibly be a chamber house where Mr. they receive mail. Okay. okay. Thank Mr. you very Chair. much. Mr. Chair, uh, yeah, I just yes. want to point out that on the reservations, a lot of times they, uh, they talk about how they don't have a specific address. And I'd want to know if this is the approved address for all those folks that don't have a home address 
to use for their voter registration? Um, that would be a question I would have. Yes, and we believe it is so, at, at the so chamber these, house. This these is are where legitimate they legitimate voters registered to vote, and they're just using this address instead of coordinates. Because we talked about getting them some kind of a voter ID with their coordinates, where their residence is, yes. the dwelling. Um, we want to make sure we're being accurate about that. Maybe right. This could be legitimate. Yes. Maybe not. But well, this this is very likely a, a legitimate voter registration in Sells, Arizona for 1,133 voters. And as I continue through, here's 236 registered voters, again, in cells. And as I go through these, you can see the number of registered voters at these different locations in Sells, Arizona. So 52, 47, 46, I'm going through these. Uh, these are all registered voters in cells. And the reason that this is specifically important to me is, um, and I think that's, that's where cells stops. So why this is particularly important to me is because the population of cells Arizona is 2,121. There are 675 housing units, of which 591 housing units are occupied. 64.8% of the population is over the age of 18 and therefore eligible to vote. That would make 1,375 people eligible to vote in Sells, Arizona. Our data shows that 2,762 people in the voter database, that's double the people eligible to vote according to the 2020 census. That's my point. The next, excuse me. I'm so sorry. How many cast a ballot out of those people? Um, I do not. I do not have that data. We can provide you that data. I have the data in the stack, but I I didn't add that up. Okay. Thank you. If we can get that, that'd be pertinent because. Yes. That, okay. I have a question. Please. Um, it's true in northern Arizona. I've found in Yavapai County, where you go to the county recorder's office in my uh, district in Cottonwood, and when I did a lot of door-to-door -door work, I happened upon the fact that there were a lot of people registered there. And the ladies, uh, the clerks at the counter told me it was because they're typically homeless. And so when they roll into town, that's where they register to vote. So they could be legitimate voters just with no home. Is there a way to corroborate that here at the assessor's office? I, I don't know how the assessor's office would handle that. Uh, my position today is to re to raise inquiry. Yes. And so we did not go out to any of those homes in cells to canvas any of those doors. We just looked at data and we looked at the census data and then we applied the analytics. Uh, to the cells case, uh, one thought came to my mind. Did you scrub for dead people? Not yet. Thank you but we did use 2020 census data, which is technically only about 15 months old. Uh, in addition to that, when we come to Top, uh, Topwa now, 
Um, as we look at uh, the Tapua population is 233, with 78% of the population over the age of 18. So the estimated voter population with 100% registered voters would be 182. And as we look at Tapua, oh, there's another cells. Oh, wait, I'm going backwards, sorry. Mm -hmm. Moving forward. So we had uh, 173, another 72, another 43. And so the registered data, voter database was 288 and a community population of 233 with a voter eligibility of 182. This is AHO. Again, we're seeing some of the same things. Uh, here we have a place of business in Lukeville. I actually think that that might be uh, the CBP office. There are many others that we can look at here. We're looking at any. I'm, we're looking at anything, any residence, any location that has more than 16 voters, and so. We have many more that we could look at here within Tucson. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we just want to give you a quick view. Many of these might be RV parks and, and other, other places like that. But I just want to point out one of my absolute favorites was the Sigma Alpha Epsilon on East 2nd. Uh, Sigma Alpha Epsilon has uh, 27 registered voters. But the average age of the registered voters at, the, at that fraternity is 45. Now, that's not how it was when I was in college. Is, Mr. Chairman, madam, could that be the animal house of the, uh, <laughs> the campus? Or? That also was not how it was when I was in college. They were the only ones who could afford it. So as I just show you, these are incidences, and I actually believe I have 68 of them here for you, where we had uh, more than 16 people living in a, a location. And the only purpose of showing you that today is to raise question. Now, so for me, the preliminary analysis is that the Pima County voter information is not reliable. So I look at accuracy, reliability, validity. And so we are questioning that today and hoping that this committee will see the importance of moving this forward and giving Pima County the opportunity to have a free and fair election. In addition to that, ladies and gentlemen, we too did some canvassing. And we went to 172 homes. Now, what our walk our, our walk books had was the receipt of an early ballot with a series of names as well as a QR code. So imagine an address, when the vote was received, and then the name of the individuals in the home. So our job was to go to 172 homes 
with the potential of speaking to 481 voters. We got the doors answered 52% of the time. We identified 62 early ballots that had been turned in to the elections department where the voter is not a resident. Ladies and gentlemen, basically 45% of the people that we spoke to indicated that a ballot was received, but they did not know who the person was. That potential fraud is staggering at 45%. Mr. Chairman. Good. Go ahead. Shelly, thank you for being here. Yes, um, ma'am. Thank you for the work that you've done. That's that's quite amazing. Did you going back to the cells and the and the fraternity and the places at the county? Um, did you by any chance pay any attention, or did you notice which party they were registered to? No, ma'am. We did not look at party. Okay. We are not interested in that. We also had people registered at a post office at the Cherry Bell Post Office. Now we do understand that homeless are allowed to get mail and possibly even register at a post office. So we're, we're not interested in party. What we're interested in is a free and clear election. A follow-up, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. And for the homeless, uh, because it is law in Arizona that you provide ID, do the homeless have ID for clarification? Um, and, I'm, and what I'm trying to point to is if a homeless person can have ID to register to vote, then certainly a person of color can also get uh, an ID to vote. And I guess that's my, my point. And, and maybe, I don't know if you agree or, or don't agree with that. It's not relevant whether I agree. It's the law. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. I do want to bring up a third point. So our first point was to say that we're looking at places where we have more than 16 people living. And we've identified some questions there. Our second point was to share with you our canvas. And we did 12 of the walk books, as I said. We had the potential of speaking with 481 voters, but only got 52%. But I also want to bring up some other things that are interesting. I forget who was sitting here right after lunch. I want to say Brian, but I can't remember. I brought a flash drive today, and I have my computer, but there wasn't, I can't take HDMI cable. So I said to Brian, Brian, can I put my flash drive and use your computer? And he said, well, do you have just a little bit or a lot of malware on it? And I said, well, I only have a little. We were both joking. He said, yes, yeah, sure, but we found another workaround. But when I went to the city of Tucson for the LNA, Logic and Accuracy, they used flash drives. Now, in my professional work, I do a lot of work for the Department of Defense and other agencies where I can't even have one of these on my person when I go into the organization. And yet we're putting them into our machines and Brian's afraid that mine has malware. 
This is an issue that we need to address. But another issue, in Pima County on November 10th, 2020, our Board of Supervisors approved a $950,000 Chan Zuckerberg grant for the elections, which took place the week before. As a financial person, I'd like to know, was the money obligated before it was approved? I'd like to know what the money was spent on. Two of our Board of Supervisors voted no on the certification of the canvas. So we've known for a while that something isn't right. To that point. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much too for doing that and asking those questions. Uh, Jake Hoffman was the uh, representative who championed the bill to outlaw Zuckerberg bucks or any other kind of outside dollars. And then I had asked for an audit from the Auditor General to be conducted, which is about to start, that will answer your questions on exactly how did they spend this money? And I liked your question that you had that I might send them off later today. This was it predetermined of what it was um, used for. So quite a lot of money came into Arizona uh, to quote, help us with COVID, but let's look and see exactly how they helped us with COVID uh, on those Zuckerberg dollars. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you very much, Senator. Um, I also want to, um, talk about Sharpies, because there was a lot of confusion with Sharpies. These are just all the issues that we faced here in Pima County. And as the chairman of the Pima County Republican Party, I am very concerned that our folks are just going to give up and they're not going to want to come out and vote. So we need to know today we need to demonstrate today the strength and the will of our legislators and of the Pima County Republican Party to fix this election. In, in conclusion, uh, legislators, I would like to introduce Sarah Ramsey and Lana O'Brien and ask them to share some of their experiences that they've seen as they were uh, in the um, balloting and signature verification. So Sarah and Lana, if you would please come up. And um, I have all of our affidavits here. I have some maps for you if you wanna ride around Pima County before you leave. Um, anything that we can do to help you we're happy to do. Thank you. Yes. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Does anyone have any questions yes, before I, I try to run? Yes, uh, Chairman, uh, Chairwoman, you have the, those are our copies. Those are those are originals. What signatures? Yes, are. sir. They can be used as evidence. I would like to, if I can have one of our Rangers, Arizona Rangers, take that into custody. If you can put it in a sealed bag of some sort as evidence, we have a. Yes, sir. Mr. Chair. Yes. So just to follow up, are you, oh, go ahead. Just to follow up, are you, did I hear you say you're willing to get us the number of um, 
voters who actually cast a ballot in these areas that you saw that there was more registered voters than there was population. Um, I'd like to know how many actually cast a ballot in those precincts. And then um, maybe we can talk about how these voter rolls, we can use this as further evidence that we need to clean up our voter rolls. So did I hear you say you were willing to do that? Yes, ma'am. On all of those? Okay, that would be fantastic. Yes, ma'am. Tapua and Cells. Thank you. Any further questions? Thank you, Thank very, you much. very much Thank for you. coming to Pima County. It means a lot to us. Thank you. These ladies have a seat. Uh, speak yeah. very clearly into the microphone. I'll try. State your name for the record. Um, my name is Sarah Ramsey. And can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So um, this is an experience I've been sharing over the last year or so because it just touched me. Uh, I've been a poll worker since 2003, and last year I was, I've been an inspector in other elections as well, but last year I was election an inspector for both 2020 primary and 2020 general election, presidential election. And as an inspector, it's always been my experience that election day is very important to a lot of people. You know, some people, it's extremely important, and you can tell. They have veterans hats on, they're, they're all dolled up to come and, you know, vote at the polls, and it's a big ceremony, a big celebration. Um, last year, during the general, it, it's, it's actually, it's, so they come, they, they go through the line, and they get to the roster, and you open the roster with all this ceremony, and you show them, and they get ready to sign, and I'm going to say close, I would say between 10 and 15 of those people that came into my, it was two precincts. Um, I was, I had an area that was two precincts. Um, in front of their name was an E, which means early voted. They got an, they were supposed to have been mailed an early ballot. Now these people don't even, I mean, they were absolutely shocked. They didn't request those ballots. Um, they don't even, some of them didn't even know what an early ballot was, and they were particularly crushed that they had to go vote provisionally. To them, that was just like a slap in the face, that they had to go vote like it wouldn't count. And they were worried that their vote wouldn't count, and they were stressed. And it, it, this, this isn't about the people necessarily, but it sort of is about the people. Um, I thought that was odd. I mean, every once in a while, there would be, there's one person that comes, or a few people come in and they're usually young and they forgot their early ballot. These people didn't forget their early ballot. They never asked for one. And it was a high number of people. We had more provisional ballots in my precinct, or those two precincts last November than I've ever seen. It was like 50. We had all these provisional, why? Because people were coming in and finding out that they had ease in front of their name. And I think that's all I have to say. My, I just don't, I don't understand how that could happen. Yeah. Any, any questions? I mean, I'm done. Thank you very much, ma'am. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lana O'Brien. Can you hear me okay? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I was a volunteer in the November 20... Get closer to the mic, please. I was, in a, I was a volunteer in the November 2021 election in the uh, voter, in the signature verification room. I 
uh, on October 26th of this year, I volunteered to be an observer for the Republican Party at the Pima County Signature Verification Room um, for the November city and county elections. We were told only one person from each party was allowed to observe the county's signature verification room. On the day I volunteered, I was the only observer. I noted there were over 30 individuals working in the room. That day, either verifying signatures or doing related functions. The majority of individuals working were doing signature verification. The county process is each signature verification employee has the decision-making power to reject or accept a ballot signature without any type of oversight or second set of eyes. A ballot signature is only questioned when the signature verification employee determines it. I do want to note the signature verification employee does go through county training for signature verification, but let's be clear, they're not signature, they're not handwriting experts, they don't have any computer vision software to help them with their ballot verification. So without any checks or balances, these election workers make a judgment call every time they look at a ballot signature. Frankly, some do a much better job than others. During my four hours of my volunteer time, I observed so many questionable signatures being approved, I couldn't keep track of them all. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, I want to talk about the machines a little bit. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me about that? Yes, uh, thank you. Did um, how many did you witness any signatures uh, envelopes go through without any signatures? No, they all had something. I saw some with wavy lines, straight lines, and they were being approved too. With there is no checks and balances with the county, none. Mr. Chairman, I have a question. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you for being here. Um, do you know whether or not? They were did they see the ballot, do you know, or did they just look at the signature as they an looked, indication as to whether or not they may or may have voted one way or another? They, they looked at the ballot. They were reviewing the ballot signature, um, and then they were reviewing the, the primary signature, which is also the voter registration card, which has People's Party on it, and that signature on there. And then if they wanted to look further, which most of the time they, you know, there were a few that were really looking at it. Other ones were just approving. Um, but, you know, they had a, up to five signatures on file that they could review it. And if they still question it, they would give it to somebody else to, to take a second look. Thank you. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, I saw a lot of them just pushing him through. Mr. Chairman, I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Mr. Chairman. Ma'am, um, was there a small percentage or a modest percentage of, um, of the signatures that were absent? Or, um, or was that? No, any of the signatures, there were some that did have, that didn't, that printed their name or they didn't sign it, but those automatically went to a second set of reviewers to find, to call up the um, voter. And if they never got a hold of that voter, that, that vote did not count. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Please. Okay. So my second, I was a part of the LNA process for the city election, and like the county, they have the ESNS machines. During my, that's the logic and accuracy for those who didn't know. I didn't know either until I and somebody told me so. The logic and accuracy, accuracy testing, and um, I 
I was very intrigued. I thought the workers were doing a good job or working very hard, but I had concerns about the ESNS machines. Um, they verified that they did not have access to the source code. They also verified that there was no review by either party of uh, modems in those machines. They also verified that there was thumb drives provided by ESNS for the voting machines. And I also noted while I was there, even though they said they had no internet access, my phone had internet access the entire time I was there. I wrote that up and sent it to the clerk, and he did respond to me, but I also brought it up to the Pima County Election Integrity Commission. All these same po points because they too have ESNS machines with all those same issues. I brought that up in October in the current uh, Pima County election director, Brad Nelson, insisted and got it approved that my comments get struck from record in November. Um, so I have to bring it up again because it acts like, because they obviously did not want to have those, those comments as an official record. <laughs> Anybody <fun>. surprised? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, ma'am. And... And I would like to to respond to uh, Chair Tice about are we committed to fixing these issues and problems for future elections? And I will tell you, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for all of us, and they can also concur and reiterate. You have our 100% support on fixing anything and everything we possibly can in this next legislative session. Mark Fitchum has developed a, a designed ballot that has 10 different counterfeit countermeasures on a ballot. You can't Xerox it off. You can't make a copy of it. It's got to be original paper. We are working on trying to have smaller precincts, so we're not going to combine 5,000 precincts into one, you know, these kind of things, signature verifications, training for signature verification. We're going to put some heavy standards on the, any type of electronic equipment. We are moving towards all of those issues. Unfortunately, it takes 16 senators and 31 House members to pass any type of legislation. If we put an emergency clause on that, it takes 20 and 40. Trying to get the Democrats to play ball is gonna be probably impossible. By the way, they voted against election integrity bills this last session, and we anticipate them doing the same thing this next session. We're not holding our breath. It's why it's vital that every one of us does not waver, does not weaken, does not lose heart, and we need to churn out the vote, the next vote in the 22 election, and we need to go knock on doors, house to house, get everybody out there to vote in person, by the way. I don't trust the mailman. I don't, no, just, I'm not disparaging the mail carriers, but why would you want to give your ballot to somebody that you have no control over? This is your currency as an American citizen. And Mark Fitchum came up with a ballot that just has the same standards of, of your $50 bill that's in your pocket. And the cost of the bet to taxpayers is only 25 cents per copy. That's peanuts. 
Anyway, I want to tell you, you have 100% of my commitment to fixing and making sure that these things never happen again. And Senator Rogers. It also relies on you. We need every one of you to be a poll watcher because that's deterrence. And those of you who served during the Cold War know what deterrence is all about. Just the fact that you're there will deter mischief. This is why we won Virginia. And this is why we lost New Jersey. Because Virginians outperformed in the rural counties where there was oversight and involvement, despite the fact that they tried to steal Fairfax County. Yet in New Jersey, when things were running amok and the National Party got a phone call to send lawyers, they got voicemail. It's really on us. We are the plan. And we must turn out in droves and monitor and oversee the processes down at the granular level. And that's all I got to say from a rural northern Arizona perspective. Mr. Chairman. We'll go this way. Yeah. Did you make a comment? Yeah, closing comments. Got a lot of people reach out to me, and I'm sure my colleagues do too, online and social media, trying to get answers. What about 2020? What about, right? I'm seeing some already today, and I knew it was going to happen. Why are you doing Pima when you're not done with Maricopa? Well, there's a lot to do, and we want to keep moving forward. And uh, there's a lot of things happening in our country right now, and in Arizona, that people feel if the if we could fix 2020, we wouldn't be dealing with these things. The things that the Biden administration is perpetrating, uh, they feel that you know if you could just fix 2020, you should focus specifically on 2020 and nothing else, and then fix it, and then everything else will will fix itself. And I, I wish that was true. We are all playing whack-a-mole with all the crazy things they're throwing at us right now. I'm, now I have to turn my attention to Sedona, who is now punishing the firefighters that came to the Capitol last week. You know, it is one thing after the next. I want to assure you that as legislators, we, not all of them, but many of us are committed to fixing that issue. But what I want you guys to know, this is now in the hands of the Attorney General. The, the evidence, everything was handed to the Attorney General and we are all waiting for the Attorney General to release his reports and his findings. First of all, it's normal, unfortunately, because it's hard for me to be patient and wait, but they do not communicate with us when they're in the middle of an investigation. So for them to not be saying anything is normal. That doesn't mean they're doing nothing. But I, just like you, I am waiting with bated breath to see, come on, <laughs> let's have the results. But we have to wait for that to come out. As I've said earlier today, we can clearly see what had happened, and if those things are verified, I want indictments of the people who perpetrated those things against us and undermined our elections. So those, all of those things must happen. It's not that we're doing nothing. It's not that we've turned away from it. We are now waiting on the Attorney General, and 
I just hope to God that what's, what needs to be done is done. And in the meantime, while we are waiting, the, talk, the clock is ticking when it comes to the primary election in 2022. If we don't get this right, if we don't make the changes in the statutes and have these bills ready in the coming days and we introduce them and we start in January, they, we must be finished with our work by the end of April in order for the 90 days to go by for these to go into effect in time for the August primary. We are hoping not to have to wait till April in our session and we're going to do a uh, special session to get this in and out and get the 90 days started so there's time to implement. So those are the things that we can't not be working on in the name of trying to get 2020 done. I know there's a lot of you guys that are impatient and want us to only focus on that, but we have to also work on language. That's why we're here today. We're trying to put those bills together and work together as a team to make sure this is done. And they've already mentioned what your job is um, as far as next election to be there. But right now, what you can do today is send an email out to every single legislator asking them to be on board with not only election reform, but election security. And we haven't been able to come this far without you. Us up here on our own, we couldn't get it done. We needed the grassroots. We needed every single one of you. And those of you watching across the country, if anybody still is, it was effective in getting this audit done, and we still need you to keep communicating and keep the pressure up and get these legislators to get on board. Thank you so much for being here, and you have our commitment that we will keep pushing forward. Thank you very much. <laughs> Representative Burgess, do you have anything you'd like to add? I am Representative Burgess, and I want to thank you so much, <clears throat> excuse me, for coming out and listening to this today because you are the key what's happening here in the state of Arizona. I received lots of emails over the last few months as people become angrier and angrier because it appears that we're not doing anything. Well, let me say that's not true because our hands are kind of tied waiting for the attorney general to do his investigation. And so we can find out exactly what's happening in our state because without the proper information, we can't provide the answers to what needs to be done. So with that, I'll tell you, I am totally committed to stepping up and doing my part while we're dealing with all the other issues that's coming down the pike from the federal government because they're trying to split us to where we don't know where to spend our energy. And that's really kind of hard because everything is a key issue. And when you try to address every single issue, you're not really adequate at any of them. So we need to take care and resolve those issues so we can move forward with confidence that our vote counts and that those people who are elected to serve you, by the way, make sure you vet the people that's running because we have, yes. <laughs> so many people who tell you I'm conservative, I would never do that. Yet when they get in office, they're 180 degrees different from what they tell you that they are. So make sure you vet them and vet them very thoroughly and ask them very specific questions about what they stand for and what kind of issues that they're going to work on when they get there because that's just as important. And with that, thank you so much. And I look forward to serving you this next year. And God bless you and let's bring Trump back.
We're not done yet. We have one more uh, presentation. Uh, we're going to be doing it via Zoom. His name is Phil Evans. And Mr. Evans hopefully has some good technological stuff that actually verifies what everybody's been, knows what's been going on. So, Phil, go ahead. All right, can you guys hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay, all right. Um, so, uh, let me see here. I'm gonna share my screen here. I know how to do this. Uh, there we go. Okay. Here we go. All right. Thank you. Okay. My name is Phil Evans. Thank you for letting me talk here today. A um, little bit about myself. I'm an electrical engineer as of 34 years. Uh, I've developed manufactured industrial machinery and instrumentation for 24 years. Much of my work experience involves databases and algorithms, and I've been developing and implementing mathematical methods for analyzing elections for about 10 years now, okay? Okay, what I wanna get into, uh, most everyone in this room probably has seen what we call the Pima County fishtail analysis. Uh, that was actually my analysis presented by Dr. Shiva. Um, and uh, basically, this is a distribution of all of the uh, early vote ballot returns by precinct, okay? What this shows is that we had a very high return rate centered at around 95%, okay? And in the analysis, we found a very remarkable trend. We found out that in all the lower turnout precincts, or the majority of them, Biden uh, was outperformed by Trump. But something happens at 85% to vault him way up here, okay? And so it, it, it created a bunch of questions, okay? What, what could cause this type of discrepancy uh, and each candidate's uh, performance, okay? How could this happen? So here's a few questions for you, okay? First question, uh, did Republicans in high turnout precincts vote against Trump uh, or for Biden? Uh, I guess you call them the McCain Republicans uh, in, in that part of the country. And of course, there are absolutely Republican voters that did not vote for Trump. That's not, you know, that, that happens in every election, Okay. But here's one question. Why do we see a very similar anomaly in states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia? Just something to think about. Okay, and number two, did Democrats return ballots at much higher rates than Republicans in higher turnout precincts than in lower turnout precincts? In other words, if, if the uh, Democrats didn't show up to the polls in the lower turnout precincts, but they showed up in higher percentages than Republicans in the higher turnout precincts, this could, this could cause this anomaly that we're seeing. And the fact that we are, we got the, the study by using the requested ballots, okay? We're going off the percentages of ballots that uh, a Republican, Democrat, other that went out in the early uh, uh, voting. And uh, really what we would need to do is do a study of, the return early ballots, okay? So that's exactly what we did. So just, just to recap where we're at, the, uh, Pima fish, the Pima Fishtail was actually created with the ballot requests per precinct data. And a few couple of weeks ago, we actually got our hands on the actual ballots, the early vote ballots that were counted, okay? 
So what I'm going to share with you here is something that I think is a major anomaly, okay? This particular graph right here, what we did is we took, there's 249 precincts in Pima. We grouped precincts according to the percent of Democrat and Republican and other party ballots in each precinct. You can see in this particular precinct that each precinct has four data points here. This data point, the blue data point, is the Democrat uh, ballot percentage. Phil, Mr. Chairman, I don't think his graph is actually showing on the shared screen. What we're seeing, Mr. Evans, is your four sheets. We're not okay. seeing the graph that you're talking about. You're not seeing this right here? No. Okay. This is uh, how now odd is that? we're seeing the graph. Can you uh, all, right. all right. Let me, let me, try, let me try the uh, – are you seeing it now? We can. Can you make it full page? Yeah, that should be full page right there. Yeah. Oh. Is that good? Okay. Are we good? Well, if you could start the presentation up in the upper left-hand corner. Is that better? Uh, over, over. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Up in your toolbar, upper left-hand corner of your toolbar. Go yeah. to the far, far left. There you go. Yeah, and then that's... it says start from beginning. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I, I got it. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Are y'all no. seeing that? No. Okay. Yeah. Scroll down. <laughs> that will help you drive here. Keep going down. Down. I, I'm this is I'm showing a full page right here on my end. Okay. Okay. Can, can you see that right there? Perfect. Okay. Okay. I apologize. We'll just, uh, we'll try it this way. That's really odd. Um, okay. Uh, and, and, and if you have any questions, because this is very simple, but it's very important. What we've done is we have grouped, uh, in this case, one, two, three, four, we've grouped uh, nine precincts according to percentage of uh, Democrat ballots, percentage of Republican ballots. And uh, we are, uh, on the x-axis, we've got the, the actual percentage of, of ballots returned, and these are all early vote ballots. Everything we're talking about here is early vote ballots, okay? Uh, on the y-axis, we have percentage. So in other words, in this, pre in this group of precincts, the Democrat uh, percentage of ballots is way down here in the 22, 23% range right here. Uh, the Republican ballots are up in this range right here. Can, can everybody see this? Yes. Okay. So here's the Republican ballots, okay? And then here's Biden's uh, ballots, Biden's score here, Trump's score. So what does this show right here? Well, remember, we're going from low turnout precincts to high turnout precincts, Okay. You have a, almost a complete level. Uh, the Democrat ballot percentage really doesn't change. The Republican ballot percentage goes up about 4%. So Trump's percentage goes down about, you can make the argument, anywhere from 5 to 10%, but it definitely goes down. And then Biden's percentage goes up. So what does this mean? Okay. All right, so this is what I just went over, okay? Trump's percentage decreases by 6% as Republican ballots increase by 4% and early votes ballot percentage increases. And let me, let me say that one more time. 
in this graph right here, we, we start with a Republican percentage according to the trend line of about 46%, and we end up at about 50%. We're increasing the Republican percent of ballots, but why is Trump's percentage decreasing from 68% to uh, about 59%, okay, in, in, in the trend line? Let's just say five, five to five, six, seven, eight percent. Uh, that is what we are looking at here. So, and I don't have the answer, okay? But the question is, uh, do we just see that uh, on this on this one group of precincts here, or do we see it in more than just this one group of precincts? And the answer is, unfortunately, we see it here. And here and here and here and here and here. Okay. And for anybody that still didn't understand what we're looking at, from low to high precincts, Republican percent right here in this graph goes up about 4%. Trump's percent goes down about, uh, you know, 5%. Same for this here, 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 and so on. Okay. Here's a whole nother group of, of, of graphs right here. We see it everywhere. And the question is, why are we seeing this? Why is it that a candidate's score is so dependent on turnout and, and understand that we started doing this analysis with the, um, with, the, with the ballot request and early voting. However, this analysis is done with the actual ballots that have been counted. So any argument that the turnout ratios between Republicans and Democrats is not a valid argument. OK, unless the data is incorrect, but assume the data is correct that we got from Pima County. Um, that's what we're looking at here. OK, so where do we go from here? Well, after the Pima County Fishtail, we had basically four possibilities uh, that, that were happening here. Uh, the first one, did Democrats return ballots at a much higher rate in higher turnout precincts? Then in lower precincts, well, we just answered this one right here. This did not occur. Did not occur. So we're left with, I think, two possibilities. There may be more. Uh, did Republicans in the highest return precincts uh, overwhelmingly vote for Biden uh, or, or against Trump? And I think that's a valid one. Certainly some of them did. Okay. Was it enough to cause this in literally every graph that we looked at? That's a question that I don't know the answer to. Or, and, and you have to ask the question, uh, were illegal ballots injected that created artificially high turnout and altered the election results? Or was it a combination of the two? Um, I don't know the answer, uh, but uh, stay tuned and uh, thank you for your time. Members, any questions for Mr. Evans? Nope. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd just like to compliment Mr. Evans on um, yeah, thank you. the work that he's done. You know, no compensation made. This gentleman is a patriot and uh, dove into the data. This is this is a guy that's been working on this for months. And quite frankly, I'm uh, my hat's off to him. Showing in a way that we can all perhaps appreciate uh, in, in a visual presentation, 
how things move through the system, I think, is, is very illustrative. So thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Nope. Any Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Evans. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. We have one more witness coming forward. I'll come forward. Sir. Please state your name for the record, sir. My name is James Lombard. And I'm here to talk about, uh, can we please start the slides back in the AV corner? I think he's shifting gears. <clears throat> talk about uh, a report that, <clears throat> let's see, my co-author on this report is Alan Harwell. and we are contesting a number of votes from the 2021 Tucson general election. Alan Harwell ran for city council. Uh, sadly, he did not prevail over his opponent. Uh, but we, um, we have asked the, as a result of uh, examining data from both the active voter list as well as from the uh, list of Tucson voters that returned ballots in the election, uh, we have asked the city of Tucson and the Pima recorder to show that they, uh, that they in fact don't have certain errors in their, in their uh, active voter roll, <clears throat> active voters list. And I'm gonna go through why, uh, why we have questioned uh, a, quite a number of ballots. And we'll do <clears throat> uh, first a summary and then look at these data sources that were examined. <clears throat> and we'll take a deep dive into the change type code, which is a database within the database of the active voters list in Pima County. I don't know if this, uh, if this data field exists in Maricopa County or any other county in Arizona. It is a feature of Pima counties. I also had a, ch a chance to interview Pamela Franklin, who is the chief deputy recorder, uh, Pima County recorder, and ask her a little bit about how the recorder's office uses the change type code and what it means and what it means for whether or not a, uh, a vote or a voter is, is on active status and is actually a, has a, a valid registration. And we did receive a response from city of Tucson in <clears throat> the city of Tucson conducts um, only mail uh, ballots by mail for its elections. They had, uh, they mailed out about 290,000 ballots to active voters and each of these active voters uh, must have a valid registration. So everybody they, they mailed a ballot to, they uh, identified as having a valid registration. In, Tucson, 82,000 of those total ballots were voted and returned. Uh, so it was a fairly low percentage of ballots that were returned. What we did was we looked at the, at the change type codes and I'll get into that more. But <clears throat> the result of our examination was that more than 15,000 votes 
were contested because the voters' registrations may have been previously canceled, and these change-type codes record whether or not there was a cancellation or could have been a cancellation. And then those same registrations were not uh, recorded then as reinstated, which is a category of uh, uh, in the change-type codes by the Pima County Recorder. So... <clears throat> We looked at the active voters list. I've learned that's what it's called today. I call it the Pima Voter Registration Database. So we had this from the Pima uh, GOP as for campaign purposes for uh, various uses. And so we had quite a bit of information. We used it for phone calling and mailing, et cetera. Then as the votes, uh, as the votes came in, the city of Tucson <clears throat> publishes a list uh, publishes lists of voters who returned their ballots. And there were 82,000 active voters that returned signature verified ballots. So these were all, these were all uh, run through the signature verification process. And remember, all 82,000 were listed as active voters on the active voters list. Uh, and we compared these two lists because there was a field in common called the voter ID field, which is <clears throat> allows allows them to be directly compared this is an the, the the pima county voter registration database has 54 data fields in it or at least what i what is available to the parties what's given out to the parties four times a year <clears throat> i want to focus on the uh, the change type code and the registration status so registration status basically says yes you're an active voter and you are eligible to receive a vote or receive a ballot. <clears throat> this is a little hard to read, but it's uh, basically a segment of the of the data. Uh, the shading on the left shows the registration status, and you see a bunch of A's. Those are for active. And then to the right is another shaded area called the change type code. And there are uh, 22 different uh, two-letter codes that are included in this data field. <clears throat> this is just a screenshot of the uh, the files that were published uh, by the City of Tucson on their elections uh, elections department website, and I downloaded these and we uh, compared these. So this this is the eighty-two thousand vote list that I'm talking about. All right, now for the change type codes. And I don't have a lot of information on how these are used, but I have a little, and it leads me to, to believe that uh, there may be significant errors in the voter registration database. These change type codes are ones that are used, <clears throat> for example, AC or address change. Uh, these, are, these are codes that you would expect during routine maintenance of the voter registration database. People move. They change their names. They change their party preference. Uh, there are other changes that are common and expected. So the bulk of the uh, the bulk of the voters in the list had these change type codes next to their name, and you would expect this. <clears throat> Notice on here that there's one called reinstated. There's an RE for reinstated, which means that in the in the Pima County Recorder's office. Oh, I should back up. 
City of Tucson does not maintain their own voter rolls. They use the Pima County voter rolls. So that's why I'm talking about the Pima County, even though this was a city election. Uh, but the, re the recorder contemplated uh, having, <clears throat> having voters reinstated after their registrations were canceled for one reason or another. And remember, registrations are in statute are actually canceled for an address change and then they're immediately modified and reinstated by the uh, by the county recorder. Uh, so <clears throat> this sec set of change type codes <clears throat> are these are the ones that appear to have uh, appear to indicate that the voter's registration was canceled. And you can see on here that there were uh, there are at least three codes, uh, IC, which is involuntary cancellation, MC, which is canceled duplicate match, and VC, voluntary cancellation. I received these descriptions from the recorder's office. Uh, and then there are, obviously, if you're deceased, your voter registration will be canceled, uh, and I, uh, felony convicted voter registrations are canceled. If you're purged, or if the Secretary of State cancels you from the voter registration list, these are other reasons that, that people's registration is canceled. Uh, the obsolete address change and obsolete name change, they sounded to me like they were probably, they probably resulted in a, in a voter registration cancellation. Now in red is the, the NT code, the change history note. And this is important, uh, this is important I'll, I'll explain that in a few minutes, but keep, a, keep an eye on that. So these are the numbers that we saw. The most common of the change type codes was the change history note, and there were more than 12,000 uh, voters who had a change history note associated with their uh, registration record. And then you can see that there were <clears throat> 1,600 canceled duplicate match voters. Now remember, these are active voters that returned a ballot in the city election. And in the voter registration database uh, that we had, which was from July of 2021, so it's pretty recent, um, the, the voters that returned these, there were, there were 782 obsolete address changes uh, voters that, that returned a ballot. Uh, you can see that there were 218 duplicates that returned a ballot. And these are active voters that were sent ballots, and we question whether or not they uh, should have, it, whether it was valid for them to be sent a ballot and then to return a ballot, uh, and so on down the line in decreasing quantities. I too spent a, uh, a day volunteering on October 28th at the Pima County Signature Verification Room uh, as an observer for the Republican Party. And I had a chance to speak to Pamela Franklin, who's the Chief Deputy uh, county recorder. She uh, succeeded Adrian Fontes after he uh, finished his three-month term early this year in 2021. <clears throat> what I talked with Pamela Franklin about, I talked to her specifically about these change type codes, and I said, okay, how do these work? I had brought with me, now this was before the election, so this was October 28th, before the results were released. This was October 28th. In my notebook, I had a list of seven, uh, seven voters who voted in the 2020 election, three of whom had a change type code of felony conviction next to their name, 
which would, in my mind, indicate that it had been a, a canceled, they would have been a canceled voter uh, registrant. And then four were deceased that also voted in the 2020 election. And I asked her, can we please look these up and see why the change type code shows these uh, either felony conviction or deceased and how it was that they actually voted. So she sat down at a workstation, logged in, and then uh, wrote in my notebook in the blue pen on the left. And she noted that the four deceased voters were, not were, uh, were noted as deceased in the registration database in error. So in fact, they were not deceased there had been an error made sometime previously. The, um, what she did when she opened up the workstation was she looked at something that only the recorder has access to, which is called the change history note. So she looked in the change history note, which is where they will make uh, some sort of notation about why the person was changed from deceased back to an active voter status. So she had access, they have access to that. Uh, and then again, for the felony convictions, there was uh, one of the felons re-registered, but was not was not coded as reinstated. And again, the, the deceased persons were not indicated as reinstated either. The other two felony convictions in the change history note that only she could see, one of them had been reduced to a misdemeanor. So that one became active again. And then uh, another, she just said there was an error in calling this person a, a convicted, uh, giving them the category of uh, felony conviction. <clears throat> so these, these change history notes that she looked at are kind of a peek behind the curtain. And it's a, it's a way, <clears throat> it's a way that, they, that they can verify whether or not the voter should actually be active in the voter registration list. Well, this did not engender a lot of confidence uh, when she said seven out of seven are actually uh, were actually erroneous uh, change type codes, and that those voters actually should or were should be in fact active uh, active voters, and this prompted us to look at the uh, to look at the rest of the to look at the at the same situation for all of the uh, the general election 2021 voters. Mr. Chairman, before Mr. Lombard goes any further, I'd like to know. Um, were you able to view or ascertain whether or not there was an audit entry in the computer log file for who would have made this entry or when it was made, or do they just not have an audit trail for that that, uh, that you know of? She gave me a copy. She emailed me a copy of their, um, their uh, manual that they use for maintaining this part of the database for both uh, entering registrants into the database and also for making uh, making changes. And I don't remember reading whether or not they have a hash or some sort of a um, an indication of who made the change. I, so I, I really can't answer that okay. question. I did not see that when she opened the workbook. All right, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, Pamela Franklin also told me, she said, well, she was kind of embarrassed about those codes being incorrect. And she said, I'll make a note to ask my programmer why our program does not up to update these change code fields after a change history 
uh, indicates that there was a material change, in other words, whether or not the voter should be active and is eligible to vote. So she was aware of uh, some issues within the registration database, and she didn't seem too surprised by the, the errors that, uh, that she discovered. <clears throat> this is the, the only notation in the manual that they use for the change history field. It says that, um, so <clears throat> this last slide showed, uh, said that she would check with her programmer the, the, the program, apparently, if you change name, address, or party affiliation, then the program automatically enters the correct code in the change type code. So it would be an AC for address change, or an NC for name change, or PP for party preference. Uh, but for any other change, any other modification that impacts the voter, and when it impacts the voter, it means either cancels their registration or re-registers them, then the operator of that workstation has to make a separate note in the change history uh, note field. <clears throat> the reason that we're asking, we're <clears throat> the, camp, the, the Harwell campaign is confident that, um, that the Pima County recorder can actually show or demonstrate in some way that they have a document that uh, that verifies whether or not the, those uh, each voter should be on active registration status or not, because uh, there is a statute that says the counter recorder will retain registration forms and records of registration cancellation. So I'm confident that they have uh, that they have done this and that that they could comply with our request for, uh, for verifying the, the correct active status of the voters <clears throat> that we questioned. And again, here's the summary of the, uh, so you can see there are, are 12,500 change history notes. And instead of, instead of and every single one of these in my, I believe could have been uh, replaced with a reinstated code, change type code. Uh, if there's a change history note, I would kind of like to see what the contents of that change history note is to know that in fact those voter, voters should, uh, should have received a ballot. <clears throat> the, uh, the Tucson City Clerk <clears throat> said we're unable to do a comparison because we don't have the change history note file. That's something that's internal to the the recorder, uh, the recorder's office. So they said we are not able to uh, we're not able to to <clears throat> satisfy your request for validation of all these voters. And I haven't heard from the Pima County Recorder yet whether they uh, whether they would comply with this request. I, they did receive a copy of the report. They acknowledged receipt. Uh, but I haven't heard from them, and I don't expect to. Uh, whether I don't expect to hear from them about this. <clears throat> so again, these are the change uh, the change type codes, and um, that's what this that's what the the basis for our contest is. So I'll take any questions now. Members, any questions? Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it.
That's a, a lot of work. You've done a, a lot of work, and there's a lot of work ahead of us. So we've got, uh, before we conclude here, um, Mark has um, some special guests I'd like him to introduce. Representative Fitchum, will you? Thank, do the honors. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have amongst us uh, three other Secretary of State candidates from three other states, and I know that there are a couple who are watching um, remotely. Um, the first I'd like to recognize is Mr. Jim Marchant from Nevada. Jim, would you come up to the microphone for a moment? If you would, just take a moment and introduce yourself and your reason for being here. If you would, just take a moment, introduce yourself and your reason for being here today. No. Now. How about now? Okay. My name is Jim Marchand. I'm running for Secretary of State in Nevada and uh, was asked to run after the election. I ran for Congress in 2020, and I believe I was, and it's my opinion, that I was a victim of election fraud, and I immediately started fighting to uncover and expose the fraud. And I was asked by some very close allies of President Trump to run for Secretary of State instead of Congress again. So I did. And he also asked if I would help form a coalition, uh, which I did. And uh, we're just here supporting all of you legislators in Arizona on what you're doing here to uncover and expose the election fraud. And we hope it uh, takes flight and is uh, uncovered all over the country. So we really appreciate you guys doing this. Thank you very much, Jim. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, Christina Caromo from Michigan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, being from Michigan, uh, it's really important. As sure many people know what we've been dealing with in our state, and I really commend you guys for all the hard work you're doing in Arizona, really leading the fight for election integrity. As we know, our respective states were targeted for a specific reason. We're battleground states. So what's happening in Arizona is a national issue that unless we have secured elections, we functionally no longer have a republic left. And Unsecured elections are a state and national security threat that can be exploited by domestic and foreign enemies alike. So this is a critical issue. And thank you so much for doing this, and we're supporting you 100%. Thank you. And to bring us home, we have uh, Rachel Ham, who is running for Secretary of State in California. California. I know, right? California. I I also want to thank you. I feel like uh, we're really all watching Arizona, and I have great respect for the work that you've already done, the boldness and integrity that you've had. I have said for a while that I felt like Arizona was probably going to be the first domino to fall in this very important issue um, to restore our republic and our elections, because I really think we don't have a republic apart from honest, free, fair, safe secured elections. And so I just really want to encourage everybody to very seriously consider the Secretary of State. And, um, you know, for, for you in Arizona, you have Mark Fincham running and, you know, myself from California and the others that are part of our, our coalition. But we are America First candidates that are really focused on candidates that will give us an honest election. 
and secure our vote. I think if we don't secure our vote, nothing else matters at this point. So I know that if you're here, you probably feel the same way. Thank you for coming. It's so important that people are aware. And I think these, these forums are so important for causing people to be aware of what the problems are, what the solutions are, and the fact that there are people actually working to do something about it. The problems are clear. The solutions are not complicated. But we need our public servants to do the right thing. You are. I thank you for that. I think we need to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the public servants who are not doing what they should be doing. Write them, call them, put the pressure on. We need them to do what we elected them to do. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Nice being with you. God bless. And thank you, Mr. Chairman. Our, our neighbor to, to the west of Arizona. Like I said, I protect three quarters of the west coast of Arizona. And I can see the left coast. And, uh, you know, a Republican in California is almost an endangered species. And I hope you do very well. Uh, and good luck to you. Fisher? Mr. Chairman, one last comment. So um, I'd like the audience to know that uh, Mr. Marchant has already held a public hearing in Nevada. Um, there is a second public hearing similar to this that is scheduled in Nevada. We've also seen a public hearing in, I believe, Colorado Springs. There will be another one in Colorado. Um, we also have public hearings that are scheduled for Wisconsin, Michigan, Florida, Texas, South Carolina, Virginia. The work that we've done here in holding government accountable for the performance of, of elections and the service to people has started a grass fire, a grassroots fire, if you will. So thank you very much for um, participating, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we've got ample information to take back to the Attorney General's office. And the whole point of this was to develop evidence, develop testimony, to prove or disprove discrepancies in the 2020 election. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Representative Martinez, we'll do some closing comments. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I wanna say thank you to everyone who showed up. We greatly appreciate your efforts, your support, and your encouragement. Very much so, to balance out the negativity that we all get. We all get the death threats, the ugly calls, the negative, the, the ugly words that come to us and not just over the phone, but we get it in person. And we often even get it from our own. So it's important that when we hear facts, that we talk about facts and that we talk about what we can prove because at the end of the day, it's about the elections. It's about fair and equal process because good process creates good policy, which creates great politics. Together, we must act as a football team. It's great to get that 102 yards
All right, guys. It looks like it might have cut. Let me see what's going on here. Wowzers. It's because she used a football analogy. There we go. Wait, wait. Is it going? Hold on. She froze, ladies and gentlemen. She froze. From the bottom of my heart, I am here because go. of you. You, sir, have inspired me. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my name is Representative Carter. Thank you to everybody for being here. Um, I've been a poll observer and a count observer for no less than four elections, at least four elections, in Pinal County where I reside. And in 2020, November of 2020, we went down to Central Count to observe the counting, much like our um, witness did here. And uh, they allowed one Republican, one Democrat, and we were merely allowed to observe them scanning ballots into the tabulation machine. So we were not allowed to observe the signature verification. We weren't allowed to observe the opening of the ballots, the stacking of the ballots, or anything else, which all transpired in another room. And when we, well, I approached the then uh, elections director to, to ask about observing these things, I was told it's not in the statute and I have no obligation to allow you to observe those things. So this is the sort of thing that we as the legislature are here to correct. And to reiterate what some of the others said, we really, really appreciate all of your help and volunteerism, your being here. And I would encourage you, please do the poll watching and count watching that I can no longer do now because as a candidate, it's not, you know, they don't allow us to consider it electioneering. So anyway, I, I really want to thank everybody who's here and, 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 and my colleagues up here. Thank you so much. Representative Burgess, you have a statement? Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I am both honored and privileged to have been asked to serve on this legislative hearing today. Resolving the 2020 election issue requires tenacious personal courage, as well as a commitment to our fellow Arizonans that justice must be served to again bring full and complete trust back to one of our most sacred institutions. That of the freedom to vote for those to whom we the people choose to represent us. The hearing today, along with the findings of the Maricopa County Forensic Evaluation, are screaming to legislators in both chambers, fix the problems. Bring the integrity back now. By all appearances, the electoral process has been violated. Think about it. If a thief broke into your home, goes through your personal belongings, and takes what he wants, that violates your most personal sense of security. It's time to assert our legislative authority and demand complete justice be served, investigating what appears to be by all accounts a crime and bring justice to those guilty of such crimes. It's time we as legislators, representatives of the people, fulfill our sacred oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and our beloved state of Arizona from all enemies. Freedom is a fragile thing. 
that must be fought for and defended from time to time. And this is one of those times. Those who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Ours is under attack, and one of the most sacred rights has been hurt and hurt badly. The right to vote for whom we choose. It's time to address the heinous acts being uncovered in our voting system, and it's time to develop a backbone and stand up for you, the people of the state of Arizona. Thank you, and God bless for being here. Thank you, Chairman, uh, for having this, um, this meeting. Thank you, Representative Fincham, for everything that you have done to bring this to fruition. And thank, thank you to all of you who are here. George, thank you for covering this and all the other media that are covering us accurately. You know, the, it's so important that we have you guys here to show what's the truth, what's really happening, because we sure don't have that out there in the lamestream media. And so it's important for all of us to be at the table and making sure that we fix 2020 first, right? I've said this multiple times, and I'm going to say it again. If we don't have indictments and hold those accountable who have broken our state laws for our elections, it's going to keep happening no matter what we do. I ask myself all the time, why am I even doing this if it's just going to be ignored? We have a, a split country now. Those who believe in the rule of law, those who believe in America, those who believe in the Constitution, and those who seek to break it. Our own president ignored the courts and said, we're going to move forward anyway with our mandates. We're going to do this anyway in the name of fear, in the name of money, in the name of greed, in the name of power. We have an out-of-control group of people in this country, and if we don't bring it to heel, we will lose everything that is sacred to us. We must push our attorney general Attorney General Brnovich, you must hold people accountable. You have the evidence. We delivered it to you. You must hold them accountable. This is... How many veterans do we have in the room? Raise your hands. Please stand, would you? Veterans. And up here on the panel as well. And not just the veterans. All of us took an oath to uphold and protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that's interesting that we put those words together. Enemies, domestic. They are here, and they've always been here, and they have been quietly working to take what we have, this beautiful country, and turn it into something that we don't recognize. And now they are blatantly just completely ignoring our law, calling them so what statutes on record in the public eye, saying basically sue us, and then when we do, it gets overturned by a radical judge. We have got our work cut out for us, but who here is willing to give up?
No. Who is going to fight? Who is going to keep their oath, veterans? I see hands raised. We must. We don't have a choice. The stakes are too high. Look at Australia. Look at New Zealand. They disarmed these people, and now what? Thank God for our Constitution. Thank God for our founders who could see into the future and knew that this day would be here. We must stand up. We must push. We are relying right now on this day, this very moment, on the Attorney General of Arizona to do the right thing. We are relying on the governor of Arizona to do the right thing and call us into special session right now. We, please. And above all else, government shouldn't be your savior. We are relying on them. But who holds the power in this room? You do. You have the power. The employees have the power, right? Don't wait for us to fix it. We are a very slim margin, and I hope we can do it. We better do it. But you guys hold the power. So get involved. Stay involved. Become a precinct committeeman. If you don't know what a precinct committeeman is, go look it up. Be a PC, not the bad kind of PC, but the good kind of PC. Be a PC.com. Get involved locally and volunteer. We need you more than ever. God bless America. Senator Rogers. We need to do a group picture right now to show that we're in solidarity and we're a small group of legislators who will grow every week, day by day, when the session starts to get the ship of state back on track. Let's do a group shot. Oh, hang on. We are almost, we got some more stuff. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Gunny. She's a colonel. We'll know. do one. All right, thank Remember you. Senator uh, Biasucci. <laughs> thank you, uh, uh, Senator Borelli. Thank you, everybody, uh, for being here. And uh, thankfully, it didn't go 15 hours like our last one in November, but uh, it was say some, some, some great stuff that we learned today and uh, appreciate all the speakers that came out. Uh, I want to say a couple quotes. Feel free to yell out uh, who you think said these things. So first off, uh, he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows he stole the 2016 election. Anybody know who said that? Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton. Oh. That's correct. 2017. Our election was hijacked. There is no question about it. Anybody knows who said that? Me. Everyone in the Well, it's 2017. Nancy Pelosi. So what changed? Right? What changed from 2017 to now? Why have they just all of a sudden gone in hiding and said, oh, nope, the election was fine now? Right. If they were saying in 2017 that there were issues with the Dominion machines, that there were issues with our canvassing and whatever issues with the voting process, what was fixed between now and then? Nothing. The only difference was we had the courage to take a look. Right. Mark Fincham had the courage to get a hearing together. That's all that changed. And if you look at between November 30th, the audit from the Senate, from what we heard today, thousands of ballots with no signatures were accepted. Somebody accepted those. No signatures on the ballot. They were still approved. Canvassing showed multiple ballots being mailed to homes without the proper resident living there. Change codes that aren't being updated. 
different types of paper that was used in our elections. More registered voters than people that were in certain cities that was just talked about. All these things show that our system is broken. There's no doubt about that. So why wouldn't we fix it? Why wouldn't we have a hearing like this and figure out what's going on and fix it? The fact that we get attacked by the media is ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is the most important freedom that we have in this country is to vote. You go to other countries, you go to Afghanistan, they have retinal scans and they have thumbprint ink that they're, they have to do. They're guarded by the military when they're in line. We have gotten complacent in this country. We've taken, it for, for, uh, taken advantage of this. We've taken it for granted. It's time to fix what's wrong with our elections. Here, here. Period. Period. Here, here. You know, I want to share a quick story. After the election, I was at a PC meeting in Mojave County. And I'll never forget this moment where the, the chairwoman gaveled in. And at that time, about 10 PCs got up and started walking out of the meeting. Now, Mojave County is an extremely red, extremely conservative Republican community. And the chairwoman st chair stopped them and said, where, where are you guys going? And they turned around and said, what does it matter? Our vote doesn't matter anymore. And they left. That is terrifying. Right? This is the goal of the other side. They want you to believe that your vote doesn't count, that it doesn't matter. If we do that, we will never win an election again. Do not give up. I'm asking you all, do not give up. You have good people in office. These people up here, there's others too, that will fight to save this country. We will take the arrows. We will do what we need to do. Take the criticism. We don't care. We're going to fight. But you cannot give up. If you give up, we're done. We will turn into a socialist country. You see this happening right now. This was the plan under Hillary Clinton. They, they thought she was going to win. Now they're doing what they wanted to do. They're turning our country into a socialist country. We have to save our election process. We have to fight and we cannot walk away. We must vote. I need you all to please, you're the boots on the ground. You're the ones that matter more than anything. I need your help. We need your help. Don't give up. Do not give up. Let's win this country back. Let's win this state back. Thank you, guys. Thank you. God bless you. Never give up. You have my word. We'll never give up up here. Thank you, guys. In, in closing, I got, you know, earlier it wasn't my closing statement, but um, I want to kind of recap what we dealt with in the Maricopa County audit. You know, the big lie. <laughs> and so what we did, we, we had an audit done. It's not, it's about 95% completed. There's still some more things we need to get done. But this is what we, we thought we discovered. Cyber unsecurity. The county called us that we were conducting a fraud at. But in all reality, it was Maricopa County that conducted a fraud at. Because they hired the two companies, the SNL and ECA, whatever they are, the two companies that certify equipment. They're not licensed and certified to do audits. So Maricopa County conducted a fraud. So we did, we discovered cyber insecurity, 
deleted files, which is against federal law and code, U.S. codes. Uh, evidence was not preserved. Duplicate ballots, Internet history. Um, that That's all fact. It was connected. This is a national security issue. I took an oath in 1977. Wow, 44 years ago. Man, am I getting old. But they called us conspiracy theorists. Remember that? Well, you know, wait six months and the theory is gone. <laughs> but what we discovered was well, it was no longer a theory. We actually proved it. We actually proved a conspiracy, an ongoing conspiracy of a cover-up and resistance and obstruction from Maricopa County and our current Secretary of State. They conducted a conspiracy of a cover-up. There's more than two people as a conspiracy. Then they, con they conducted a blackout, blackout operation on us because they have the lamestream, which I mean the shamestream media that wants to criticize everybody that was involved. To include the 1,500 volunteers that was at the Maricopa County audit, counting every piece of paper, every ballot, every envelope, every bubble, and all they did was criticize their integrity is shameful. That level of contempt coming from Maricopa County supervisors is unbelievable. To include the Secretary of State, who wants to be your next governor. That level of contempt towards the people is unacceptable. And they all should be held accountable. The next election, or maybe someday, uh, maybe, maybe they'll find something solid and they could just, whatever, indict them or whatever. That'd be fun. Okay. But it, the question comes down to this. Eli, my fellow veterans out there, no. How much American blood and treasure was spent for us just to become our own country to be able to do what we're doing now? And how much blood and treasure was spent overseas helping other countries be free and giving a woman the right to vote for the very first time, risking their lives, standing in line to get their finger on ink to go vote? And our American troops had to protect that voting line when they were standing there to vote. How many of these troopers came back in a box or maimed? So everybody wants to say, well, it's going to cost too much money to do a hand count vote. It's going to cost too much money to have in-person voting. How much is the cost of freedom? That cost has already been spent and paid for by the blood of patriots. You know, in the Marines, we always called it having staying power. You know, we're in a battle right now, folks. We're in a battle for this country and this state. Staying power. Stay strong. Stay motivated. Stay focused. Stay vigilant. We're Americans. Never relax. Never let up. Never weaken. We are Americans. Surrender is not in our creed. I took an oath 44 years ago. There's no expiration date on that oath. This is a, is a national security issue, and we need to secure these elections. They don't belong to us, the electeds. We serve at the consent of the governed. And if that consent has been compromised, we're no longer a country. And it takes all of you to stand there and go. This is a war, house to house fighting, knocking on doors, telling your neighbors to get out there and vote. Don't be complacent. Don't surrender. That's what they want us to do.
They want us to quit and just say, oh, we, we have no, no way we're going to win. Bull. We overwhelm the system. And it takes all of you. And thank you for standing behind us. Thank you for sticking with us. We're, when we're getting hammered by the lamestream media, I mean, I'm sorry, the shamestream media and the Democrats, that just gives me strength. Because that means we're way over the target. And they're scared to death of all of you. This is your country. Take it back. Thank you very much. God bless you. And I also support Mark Fitchum for Secretary of State. This man has taken a lot of help. Standing up. For you. Now it's photo time because, you know, the colonel wants a photo. He knows. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you very much. And hurrah. And let's all thank Mark Fincham for his courage. All right, we are live in Pima County. All right, ladies and gentlemen. They, uh, I think they wrapped that up pretty good. Uh, for where we, for where we lagged at the beginning of the second session with some of those witnesses, bam, bam. Or was it boom? <laughs> when is the last time that any of us saw a group of elected officials say stuff like that? I don't think I've ever heard anyone say stuff like that. Oh, man. Like, we've never heard any elected officials really speak like that because they've all been bought out, sold out, compromised, or just traitors to the nation period guys so uh man I, I mean i would say if you're gonna watch any part of this election hearing that that last like 10 or 15 minutes was amazing amazing uh to hear the conviction to hear the conviction of an elected representative in their voice like that is not something you get on a Monday afternoon, right? Like that's just, you know, for for everything that these uh, these individuals have been doing, okay, for everything that these individuals have been doing, that was awesome. That was awesome, okay. And again, uh, you had who uh, I've been calling her Gma, uh, but that is a uh, representative down at the bottom, and then of course uh, the ones that everyone knows: Rogers, Borelli, Biasucci, and Fincham. Guys, this is why I keep. For me, this is why I drive that point home, at least for myself, is the importance of the office of the Secretary of State. Because governor is important, right? Lieutenant governor is important, right? But if our vote is literally, symbolically, our freedom, I would probably say that that's more important than the governorship. If the Secretary of State is in charge of elections, and that is our freedom, literally, or not our voice, yes, it's our voice, right? Let's get out the vote. But our freedom, our actual God-given unalienable rights is our vote represented, okay? That's why it's the most coveted item in the world, because no one else in the world has what we have on paper even though uh, we see that they have been just destroying it, but they still have not been able to destroy it on paper, which is what they're in the process of doing right now. 
which is why they are, uh, you know, demonizing election integrity and all of those measures. But guys, that was amazing. Okay, that was great. Uh, that that renews my confidence, although I don't know that it was waning as much. But you know, that was great. That was great. That was from the heart. That was truth. And uh, I'm pretty sure it resonated with everyone today, uh, what we just experienced. So that was great. All right, guys. So uh, I don't have much else by way of closing. Uh, thanks to uh, Senator Borelli. Now I'm going to be saying the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media. Okay. <laughs> All right, Borelli, I see you. That's great, guys. Okay, cool. And then uh, let me think, what else? What else? What else? The uh, Well, maybe we'll recap it a little bit tonight. Um, but the uh, the certification of the machines, that was a very big thing. You know, the Pima County Candace lagged. But, I mean, the, the lady did have, like, four days to prepare the entire presentation and do the investigation and do the actual knocking on doors. So we'll give her a pass. Um, but... I, at first, I did not realize that they were talking about the canvas for Pima. I didn't even know they did a canvas for Pima. I thought they were just talking about the canvas for Maricopa County. So that was actually another rather, you know, enlightening moment, you know. So I thought that was pretty good, too. Uh, great information coming out of this, guys. Um, realistically, guys, and you guys, I know y'all probably understand this, too. And I've been saying this for days and days and days and months and months. They can decertify this. Like they can certify it based on all of this, uh, um, all of this evidence and all of the data that they're finding that really shows that uh, the elections have much more than reasonable doubt on whether or not they were fair and accurate, right? Much more than reasonable doubt. Okay. Um, but I mean, we will see. Uh, I'm still kind of floored honestly. Um, but again, a lot of good information put out here today. And yeah, they can decertify it, but they can't because they have to follow the letter of the law. They have to make sure all of their I's are dotted, all of their T's are crossed, right? Because if they don't, what will happen is they'll get into, uh, they'll go to, say what happened with the Supreme Court, right? And election, election fraud. Oh, well, you didn't follow this step, so you have to go back to the appellate court. They did that to Trump, right? And then uh, what about when uh, what about when they tried to uh, take to the Supreme Court how Pennsylvania's decision to certify the election disenfranchised the rest of the country? And so the Texas AG Paxton, and I think the Missouri AG, if I'm not mistaken, they filed a lawsuit and then they went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, you don't have standing. The Supreme Court said, you can't do that as a state of Texas. It has to be a citizen of the state. So dot your I's, cross your T's. You have to do the long game because if you don't, they will find some garbage administrative reason to put you back to court one, right? They're going to send you back to the appeals court. They're going to send you back to the civil court. They're going to send you back to the circuit court. You know, they're not going to let you climb that ladder to true justice, unless you have done everything to process. And so that's why we have to go through this. We have to 
maintain our integrity, maintain our endurance, maintain our will, maintain our faith, and still put some good work in there too, you know, and still put some good work in there too. So very souped up guys. Great, great presentation. Uh, it will be available on the rebroadcast here on pill.net and the foxhole.app, as well as at clouthub.tv, or no, clouthub.app, I think is what it's called. And of course, if you'd rather catch it on the podcast and uh, listen to it, and if you don't have a chance to watch it and or, you know, uh, yeah, be on the phone or in front of the TV, hey, Get it on the podcast. That's over at anchor.fm slash the C report. We already have the morning session up on the podcast. So we will get the afternoon session that we just finished seeing up there soon. And uh, well, that, as they say, ladies and gentlemen, is that. Uh, now, as for tonight, we will do an episode of uh, the C report as it is uh, Monday. Um, I can tell you for sure we will talk about Delane Maxwell and the court today, especially with some of the information the friends were sharing with me in the audience uh, about uh, Comey's daughter. And of course it was going to be a sham, a sham hearing, but, or a sham trial, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll see if we can't, uh, we can't hash that out before tonight. Uh, But other than that, guys, I think that's all I got for you. It was an absolute pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. It was an absolute pleasure to be here with you guys. And thank you so much for hanging out. Oh, my goodness. And my rock stars, my my secretaries of state candidates, Jim Marchant, Christina Caramo. We got Mark Fincham. Uh, Jody Heiss was not in the house, but he was probably watching from afar. And then that 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 third one, the lady, her name is Rachel Ham. So, ladies and gentlemen, get yourselves familiar with the name Rachel Ham as well because she is running for the Secretary of State in California, and that's not going to be an easy ticket. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, the scratchings have been released. I'm going to let you guys go for now. We'll be back in a few hours. Just uh, check the scheduling there, because uh, I don't know, we might be closer to eight tonight, or we'll just be on the ball at 730. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for uh, being here today and for uh, uh, you. Yeah. For the pleasure of your company, it's been a wonderful afternoon. Uh, We'll do it again sometime, but uh, until then, we'll see you tonight. You guys have a great evening. Enjoy your dinner. If you get tacos again, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't hold it against you. And, uh, well, we'll see you soon. Take care, ladies and gentlemen. Take care.